Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. And I'm Rocky Comic Boom. And uh, this is a Terrificon recap. Uh, if you were following along on the weekend uh, or at all at the end of last week or yesterday when I was supposed to be returning home, you know that it was this massive planes, trains, and automobiles type uh, event. And I would, you know, we've all seen the movie. We love it. And I would venture to say that my experience, while I can probably start already to look back and kind of laugh at the ridiculousness of it, of it the ridiculousness of it, if I were to turn that into a movie and people would be, first of all, they'd tell me ripping off planes, trains, and automobiles. And plus, people would say, no, that many bad things can't happen in one trip. <laughs> like, it can't just be one thing after another. It's not believable enough. So, I don't know. It was it was kind of it was kind of rough. It really was. Yes. And, and we also had to do a we, we did a two and a half hour uh, review of uh, thir- 12, 13 different DC comic books. Uh, I, I did most of it while you were on the road, but you, yeah. you, you were a real trooper. You actually managed to drive through dead zones regard in regard to uh, uh, your signal. And uh, but we, we got through that. You know, all things considered, man, I, I got to say you're a diehard. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was rough. I, I didn't want to miss. Um, but anyway, uh, let's get to it. I mean, o- overall, I'd say successful weekend. Uh, if I had to do it again, I would, even knowing all the, you know, terrible travel trauma. But I'm just going to take you step by step through it. Rocky hasn't heard the entirety of the story in one sitting either. So if there's a question, anything that you're not clear about or you want to comment on, Rocky, please interrupt yeah, me. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, tell me about uh, Terrificon is in Connecticut, right? Yeah, so it's at it's in this place called Uncasville. And I, I've never been to Connecticut. Been to New York, never been New York City, I should say. Never been to Connecticut. But yeah, it's in this place called Uncasville. And it's at the Mohegan Sun Casino. And th- this casino, you know, you hear Indian Casino, at least where, where I'm from in California. I remember the first time I ever went to an Indian Casino. It was called Table Mountain. And I walked in and it was like literally one room with bare concrete floors and like folding tables and folding chairs and um, like bare light bulbs hanging from the ceiling bingo in the corner. Uh, I think there was blackjack and like six slot machines. And now it's gotten a lot, a lot bigger over time, obviously, but, but not like this place. Um, You know, there's still just like you walk in and there's, there's an arena, there's a restaurant and there's gambling. Um, And then, out here in uh, in Phoenix are a little bit bigger. There's a couple of them here. And, you know, same thing. There's usually an arena. There's gambling. There's multiple restaurants usually. Uh, and the ones here oftentimes have a, a hotel attached to them. One of them's even like a resort that has a spa. So they're, they're, they're bigger here, right? They still, they're, they're not, I would not compare them to like a, a Las Vegas casino. I mean, people. Well, so how that. many people uh, attend the Trificon? Like what's the number of people? Uh, you know, I don't honestly know. It's a smaller convention. If I had to guess, I'd say it's probably somewhere around 30,000 people normally. Obviously, it was they sold fewer tickets this year. Um, That's a nice number. That's a pretty good number of people. Yeah, but but again, it, it's, it goes to like what where, where it's held. Like, uh, and, and Mitch Halleck, the organizer who invited us, who, you know, we're, we're very great, grateful they invited us to hold it there. You know, he started it out and he was holding it at just, you know, convention centers, just like any any, you know, show did so probably start at like a, a hotel ballroom. You move up to like a, an actual standalone convention center. 
And now he holds it at the, the convention center that's at the Mohegan Sun. But again, this is a Las Vegas style casino like like Caesar's Palace, where there's a bunch of re- there's a Sephora store in there. You know, there's uh, there's a Johnny Rockets. There's a Starbucks inside. Like it's huge. It's this huge casino with, I don't know, 12 restaurants and a bunch of bars and a bunch of like, a, you know, a mall area and a bowling alley. And it's, it's gigantic and a hotel attached. So, you know, some of the creators that I talked to, they love coming to the show because you don't have to go off site. Everything is just there. You, they put you up at the hotel that's at the Mohegan Sun and you walk to the convention center and you do your show. And then after, uh, you know, after hours, there's a restaurant, there's a bar, you can go gamble if you want at the casino. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's really quite, uh, quite interesting, but huge, huge. We walked around uh, after the first day. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Uh, but this year, um, it was definitely smaller than previous years. Things were more spread out. I, didn't, I don't think that Mitch allowed as many vendors in. Yeah. And they eliminated uh, kids con. Uh, they eliminated kids con, which is. Yeah. Event, yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Well, again, you know, kids can't be vaccinated. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was there were fewer creators. There were fewer celebrities and there were fewer vendors, just smaller of everything. So I've always wanted to go to Terrific Con because the thing about like Mitch uh, is Mitch Halleck is very much a giant comic book fan. He treats the comic guests just as well, maybe even a little better than the celebrity guests. Um so that's great. And, uh, you know, he just he, he want, it's a the show is a celebration of comics. And usually there's a ton of programming that's focused on comics. But again, this year, because there were fewer creators and just fewer attendees, there wasn't as, as robust a programming schedule as there, there normally is. But programming they had was still uh, pretty interesting. Oh, I know. It's right. So, on. Yeah. So I was scheduled to fly out at uh, 11 p.m. on on Wednesday night. Now I, I got that time wrong. And between that and uh, a couple of other things, I didn't quite make my flight. Um, but here's the thing, like uh, American airlines says that they close the doors 15 minutes before, um, takeoff. And even if the plane is still there and there's still room on it, you know, so I get to the gate and there's, you know, more than 15 minutes, but the door's already closed. And there's room on the plane. No, sorry, the door's already closed. But but it says 15 minutes. Not the door's already closed. Doesn't matter, right? Oh, so <laughs> I, I go to the I go to the have to go all the way back downstairs to the counter. Tell them I missed my plane. What can you do for me? Well, there's another flight. So my my flight was going from Phoenix to Philly to Hartford, uh, which is Hartford's like the closest um, airport to the to the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Uh, so there's another plane leaving at 1145. So just 45 minutes later, should be boarding any minute. Um, that goes from Phoenix to Charlotte to Hartford, but American, first of all, American airlines won't put you on another airlines plane to try to get you where you need to go. Cause you know, a lot of airlines do that. They just trade, you know, they'll take right. other airlines passengers and in return, they give spots up. Um, but no, American airlines won't do that. And they also won't swap you out if it's a different route. Because like I said, I was supposed to go uh, from Phoenix to Philly to Hartford. And now this other plane is going Phoenix to Charlotte to Hartford. So there's an, there's an extra fee, they call it, if I want to change my route. The fee was $635. Oh, 
if I wanted to be on that 1145 plane. That's more than I paid for the round trip. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do that. So what are my other options? Well, there's a 7 a.m. flight the next morning um, that goes the same on the same route. So that, that was pretty much my only choice. Right. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not, it's not ideal. Right. Like I'm already yeah. right off the bat, I'm losing seven out eight, seven, eight hours. So not the best. I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to be arriving at like 10 20 on Thursday morning. And if I take this flight, then, um, you know, I, I won't get there until like five 30 or something like that in the evening. Because, so you slept at the airport then? Yeah. Hanging out in the airport. <laughs> that's, that's just great. Right. For eight, oh, for fun. eight hours, except it wasn't eight hours because that seven o'clock plane kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. Wow. And we didn't actually board till after 8 AM. Then we sat on the tarmac for a little while and we didn't take off till nine. Right. So by that time it's, you know, we take off at nine by the time I get to Philly, because remember you lose three hours because uh, Philly's in the Eastern time zone. So when I land, we land at 4.45 Eastern. Well, my flight from Philly to Hartford took off at four o'clock. So now I've missed my connection because I certainly can't walk into the terminal and walk <laughs> back in time. So Good Lord. The, next the next plane that goes, and it's, it's raining, there's, it's terrible weather. Um, in fact, when I was landing in, in, um, in Philly, as soon as my phone got a signal, you know, um, from, you know, obviously when you're air in the air, you don't get a, a cell signal. So when I landed, the first thing my phone did was give me a tornado watch alert. I'm like, they get tornadoes in, in Philadelphia. Well, apparently they do. So you can, <laughs> you know, the weather was not, was not good. And the airport was crowded and where I did eat my first official Philly cheesesteak. And that, that was pretty good. Cause I hadn't eaten anything since like, I don't know, eight o'clock the night before, <laughs> you know, so I was, I was pretty hungry. Um, so anyway, I go to my gate to try to check in. Um, Cause that's, you know, that's my only choice. And the lady's like, okay, well, first of all, there's nobody there. Yeah. So, you know, I had, I, but I was the first one there. There was nobody in the, the waiting area. And then finally she showed up by that time, other people, but anyway, regardless, I got on the list of standby. But there were other people that had gotten on the list before me, I guess. And I, I didn't know this about American, but I should have tried to get on the, um, the waiting list, like on the app or online or something. So I was anyway, I was 10th on the list. And these these planes that go from Philly to Hartford, they're just little commuter flights. And they're oftentimes small, small planes, like real small, like 50 seats small. So they're always full. And normally they, they have one like every hour or so, but because of the sh labor shortage and the weather, they weren't, they didn't have that many. They had one at 4 PM, which was the one I was supposed to be on and had a seat booked on. There was one at, at seven and then there was one at 1145. So I'm 10th on the list and I, I'm, I'm like, I'm not getting this plane. No way. Like not if it's a 50 seater. And there's 10 people. And I wasn't actually, I, I keep saying 10th. I wasn't actually 10th to start. I was like fourth, but other people, they I don't know why, maybe they have like platinum status on American Islands or whatever. I, I don't know. But I, all I know is that were, there were people that were being added that were ahead of me. And there were people that were being added that were being below me. So I kept being pushed down. 
but at least I wasn't the people. I kept thinking, at least I'm not the people behind me, but I kind of knew I wasn't going to make that plane, not with 50 seats. Right. Right. My only hope was like, okay, maybe 20 of those seats are being taken up by another plane. That's going to, that's going to be delayed, you know, like <laughs> not to, to wish that on somebody, but if, if that had happened, what had happened to me early in the day happened to a bunch of other people. Maybe, you know, I'm holding out slim hope. Um, but in the mean, meantime, I'm sitting there in the gate area and I'm like looking at Amtrak. I'm looking at Greyhound. I'm looking at car rental and car rental seemed to be my best bet, but you know, it was like a three and a half hour drive in an area that I don't know. And it's, it's pouring rain. So I was kind of iffy on that, but there was no, there was no, uh, option for Amtrak. Next wow. one was leaving from like union station uh, in Philadelphia, like the next morning at like seven, the Greyhound, there was one leaving at, I think 10, 15 or 10 45 that night, but it wasn't arriving until like, I want to say nine or nine 30 the next day. I'm like that. That's a long ride. That's an over 12 hour bus ride, but Jeez. I'm like, well, they must be stopping at every Greyhound bus station in New York Good city. Talk, talk about the butterfly effect. I mean, you miss one flight and it throws everything into a wrench. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we'll, we'll talk, we'll, I'll mention, uh, you know, kind of about that a little later with what happened on the way home. So anyway, <laughs> uh, we're waiting there the, and the plane is actually late. Right. So even this seven o'clock flight, they, it gets, keeps getting pushed back further and further and further and further. And it doesn't even land to start boarding until like 10 to eight. So it lands, the people get off a couple of them immediately get right back into the line. Um, because, they're on, they're on, go back onto their same plane to continue on to Hartford. But some other people, um, they missed their other connecting flight. They were supposed to be on that four, four o'clock flight too. So this plane came in from Cincinnati, but it was massively late, like <laughs> all, over three and a half hours late. So these, there's some people trying to get on the standby list and there's like 12 people on the standby list already. I'm like, you're not getting on the plane. You know, you have no better chance than I do. So anyway, they start loading the plane and they start calling names. There are actually some seats. So they call the first, I think three, they call the first three names of people that are on the standby and they all get a boarding pass. Then they call the fourth name and nobody comes up. So they go ahead and call the fifth name and that lady immediately pops up and she goes and they start to give her the boarding pass. And here comes number four. Here comes the guy that was fourth that they called. So apparently he was just further away. You know, it took him a little while to get to the gate. So they take the boarding pass away from number five lady and they give it to number four dude. And then number five lady's like, okay, well, keep going. You know, give me my boarding pass. And the gate agent's like, that was the last one. Uh, <laughs> now you have to wait for a no-show. No. She's fourth. And they have to wait for a no-show. I'm 10th. I'm not getting on this plane. There's no way they're going to have six no-shows. You know, especially because oh. the flight was delayed. The more the flight was delayed, the greater chance that anybody else on a flight coming in, even if they were delayed, they still were going to make this plane. So there was a guy who was kind of standing next to me in line and he had just come in from that plane to Cincinnati and he was going to try to get on the list. And then we both saw this exchange go down and he had been talking to the people in front of us about, you know, what were his chances of getting on? And it's like, maybe I'll just uh, rent a car. And so when that, thing kind of happened he goes yep gonna rent a car and he starts walking away and i think 
well, that's what I'm going to have to do too. And then I thought, well, why don't, why don't I just team up with this guy? I mean, yeah, random total stranger, but he looked like an okay dude. So I, I kind of, you know, flag him down. Like, are, like, where are you going? Like, I mean, it's Hartford. We know that. Um, but, but where in Connecticut and Connecticut's a relatively small state can probably, you know, drive across the whole thing in a couple of hours. And he says, he's going to, uh, Guilford, I think was the name. And, and I said, well, I'm, I'm trying to get to new London. I don't know. I'm not, I've never been to Connecticut. How close is that? He's like, oh, it's probably like 30, 40 minutes. And I said, well, do you want to split? Do you want to split it? You know, cause w- neither one of us wanted to wait around for the 1145, which was three hours and 45 minutes you know, from the time that plane was leaving, basically eight o'clock. Right. But you sit around and wait, the drive's three and a half hours. So it's actually quicker technically, or maybe yeah. around, around the same time, but that's assuming that you get on that 1145 plane. And what if you don't, or what if it's canceled because of the weather? Yeah. So uh, he's that's smart. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I already reserved a car at, at Hertz. So we go over to Hertz. Um, there was a couple that didn't speak English in front of us in line that took forever. And this guy was getting really agitated. <laughs> He'd had a really bad day with American <laughs> airlines and he was getting, yeah, he was getting pretty upset. Um, but we eventually got the car and we're walking to the car and he's like, why don't we take pictures of each other's driver's license and send them to people we know just, just in case, just as a precaution. I'm like, Oh, that sounds like a reasonable idea. So we did that. And he sends it to his wife and his wife's like, what the hell is this? So once we got on the road, he kind of explained to her. She's like, well, but that's not going to prevent, you know, him from killing you if he's crazy. I'm I'm like, (laughs) she wasn't on speaker, but he's like, you're talking pretty loud. I think he can hear you. Like, Yeah, I can. But he's like, it's a breadcrumb. It's a place to start if I if I go missing. Right. Yeah. But the cool thing was he he wasn't that familiar with the Philadelphia area. Um. So he had, you know, GPS on his phone, but once we got to like the Jersey Turnpike, then he knew, like he knew Jersey Turnpike driving through New York up to uh, Connecticut. So yeah, it was okay. We, he pulled off his exit and uh, there was like a park and ride lot there. It was like 1130. He dropped me off. He's like, do you want me to wait? I'm like, no, it's okay. Uh, I knew he wanted to get home. And so I called my buddy, uh, Dark Knight Nation, Trevor, uh, anybody who <laughs> listens to Rocky or, or, or my show yeah. will know who he is. And he was late. He was supposed to be there. You know, I called him 40, 30, 40 minutes before um, <laughs> to meet me at that parking lot, but he, he wasn't there yet. So I had to wait, stand out in the rain and, and wait like 30 minutes. But I was there. I was there. It was uh, like, I don't know, maybe 1.30 or something by the time we got one thirty, two o'clock by the time we got back to Trevor's house. So if you figure the plane I was supposed to be on, like when I got to the airport a little before 11 on, um, on Wednesday night, we'll say it was 1045. Um, that's 145 Eastern time. And I got to Trevor's house about 145 Eastern time. So 24 hours, 24 hours to get from Phoenix to where I was supposed to be in Connecticut. Did he at least have some scotch waiting for you to drink or what? He did, but we tried to go to a Denny's that <laughs> said it was open Denny's 24 hours. Cause there's nothing else open in new London. It's a pretty you know small town, but it was closed. So that wasn't great. So I ended up getting a chicken sandwich and I don't know what I was thinking. It was a little bodega. Like the only thing open 24 hours in, in new London chicken sandwich that, that messed up my intestines for the whole weekend. <laughs> I didn't not it didn't, yeah, it was not good. Um, so I should have known better than to eat bodega chicken at, 
at, you know, two 30 in the morning. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Had a little, had a little drink and, and yeah. went to bed. Cause we, the next day we need to get ready for the, for the show. Um, and I, I love Trevor. Uh, we had some real adventures and this was a real bonding experience, but I, I will say, and he's tabling at his first con with his book, which is a very high quality book. The, the, the best, and I say this objectively, it, what the, he didn't really have competition for like the best quality in terms of art. I didn't, I obviously haven't read all the books, but his book looked the best and, yeah. and, ha, you know, had the best production values of any of the small press self-published stuff that was there. Yeah. But I sort of felt like, like he needed, he still needed to do some things before the con on, on Friday, like go print up things for his table and, and that kind of thing. And I thought, I felt like, shouldn't you have done this ahead of time? And, you know, I get it. He's busy, you know, he's got a yeah. job or whatever, but I just, if it was me, I would have made sure to have everything done ahead of time and, and whatever, but, but it was fine. Like we got everything done that we needed to do. Yeah. And we, so we cruised on over to the Mohegan sun and I helped him finish setting up his table. And I had brought some items too, in terms of uh, display for the, the auction and whatnot. And I had like these acrylic stands that helped out, like gave him some to use for his books and, table looked really nice and everything. And, um, then I, 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 so I came in the back with him and, and, um, we got, um, like the, the exhibitors there, they get like a wristband for a different color for each day. And you, you put it on your wrist. Um, and I guess the reason they do that is so you can't as a, as a, um, like somebody who's exhibiting, you can't just pass off a badge to like different people. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Security reasons, I guess. too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've seen, I've seen it happen at other shows, right? Like a, a, somebody who's exhibiting or retailing will, will get their badge and one more badge. Right. right. And, the, and two people walk inside and then one person gives the badge to the other person. So one person has two badges. They walk outside, they give the badge to another person and they keep mm -hmm. doing that. And they end up with like a whole crew and they've only paid for one more badge. So they don't do that at Mohegan uh, at the Terrificon. They give everybody this wristband. So, so that was fine. Like I said, we ended up setting up a big, space and everything was spread out for the you know the covid kind of thing and 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 that was fine um so the show opened i, I think at noon on or maybe eleven thirty for vips got in 30 minutes early if you had a vip pass um yeah. 12 for the the general public there wasn't a lot of people on friday though yeah. um but a lot of the the creators are the first time i've been to a convention since january of 2020 so i said you know hi to a lot of friends I, Jimmy Palmiotti, I went right up to, you know, right before the doors even opened to say hi to, I talked to Amanda Connor. Right on. Um, yeah, it was great. It was great to see them. Did you take, did you take a lot of pictures? Did you have time to take any pictures of yourself with people? No, nah, I didn't really. The only people I took pictures with were people that I was meeting for the first time. Yeah. Um, and then I took some cosplay pictures and, and whatnot, a, a pictures of a few different things um, that went up on the, the Twitter feed over the weekend. But there wasn't a lot of spectacle. There was the, there wasn't a lot of cosplay but I will say percentage wise, the cosplay I saw was really, really high quality. Like I didn't really see any where you went. Well, that's not very, I mean, I always appreciate when people try to cosplay because I know it's, it's not easy to make it look good. And the costumes I saw were, were pretty solid. So that was, and I guess it sort of makes sense when you think about it. If these are, this is the first show those people have done since, yeah. you know, the last Terrificon, they've been working on it for two years, you know, yeah, <laughs> another year. So they, they want to show themselves off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right exactly. So some of the other creators that were there, um, Lee weeks, Frank Thierry was there. I said hi to him and talked to him. Um, Peter J. Tomasi again, uh, you know, somebody who I've met before. 
So I kind of went around on that first day and I just talked to people that I knew and introduced myself to, to other creators that I didn't know and hadn't met before. And was, you know, again, this is a show that uh, you get a little bit of the older because it's so comic centric, you get mm. fans that are truly comic fans, um, you know, kind of older. So Al Milgram was there and that was another creator who I'd never met. And oh, right on. Al Milgram, he's, he's worked he's, on everything. Spider-Man, Hulk, yeah, Iron Man. Oh, that would... I mean, he's, he is a Marvel legend. So Classic. I went to his, I went to his table toward the end of the day on Friday and we were kind of talking, like it ended up being like this just group of comic fans just talking. It was cool. Like me and the guy, a uh, couple guys behind me in line and Al, and we were just, you know, at one point somebody goes, well, look at the age of the people in this line. Like, you know, he didn't, he, he had a giant line like all weekend, which was great to see, but it typically was, you know, fans like 30 and older. Mm -hmm. um, but I got him to sign a West Coast Avengers for me. Um, issue one, uh, I guess, Avenger. Yeah, like West Coast Avengers became Avengers West Coast later on. Um, but I, we were just talking and it, I was just he's such a part of my youth, you know, and I, I told him, I said, um, I couldn't I had a hard time deciding what to bring. I almost brought my ROM annual one. It's like, am I going to bring a Spider-Man? Am I going to bring a Hulk? I mean, this guy's worked on every. He's like, you should have brought them all. He was charging, like, <laughs> uh, I think, $5 or $10 for an autograph. And I was like, I, I, I don't, I feel bad bringing a giant stack. You know, he's like, well, I would have yeah. been fine with it. Well, I'm like, well, yeah, if you're charging 10 bucks or whatever. But, I, you know, one, <laughs> one and meeting the person and getting a picture with them is enough for me. And, and it was great yeah. to meet Al because he was, he was, you know, like I said, it was a great conversation. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, Jim Starlin was there. Uh, and you know, Jim's been on the show a few times. So said, said hi to him. Um, and I think I want to say that was it for, for creators. I knew obviously I, I just talked about Al Milgram, but I hadn't um, met him previously, but another creator that I spent a long time talking with was Brett breeding. Um, you know, again, huge part of my childhood on that triangle era of Superman. So I chatted to him for quite a while. He had original art there. Um, yeah. and he was also doing commissions and so I was going back and forth, but I, I only brought one sketchbook and I had just dropped it off previously with the, with the next artist that I'll talk about. And so I didn't think that artist was going to get it done in time. So I figured I'll just, Brett had some pieces there that were already done that were really cool. And Brett is primarily an inker uh, and a very, very talented one. Um, like his, his inks over Dan Jurgens. I mean, on Superman 75 is the comic that more people yeah. than any any of the that's rest awesome. of his work have and dan jurgens was there too right dan jurgens was there yeah that's right dan jurgens was there uh who dan's been on the show a bunch of times i forgot about that and i did say go say hi to him and we talked a little bit about uh blue beetle and booster gold and apparently he's working on something big he couldn't tell me what it was but something big is coming from him who D dan jurgens told you that Dan or? jurgens yeah yeah dan right. jurgens told me because i asked him i said i know you probably can't tell me what it is but you know anything else coming down the he's like oh yeah i got something big not sure when it'll be announced, but is it DC? Uh, he couldn't say, oh. couldn't say, but I, I got the impression. <laughs> I got the impression that it was DC. Right. Um, but he didn't say for sure. So that, that, you know, cause we haven't had much from Dan. We didn't have anything from Dan. Um, you know, since I, I can't, I guess since night, since he left Nightwing. Right. And yeah, he, that's and, right. Yeah. And, and he was working on Nightwing and well, we was, got, we got booster go blue and gold. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Once, once night, his run on Nightwing ended and um, Batman Beyond ended because he was, right. he was writing both of those. Yeah. Once those ended right before Future State started, we, have, we didn't get anything from him in Future State and we didn't get anything from him until 
uh, blue and gold. And so that was the first thing I, I asked him, actually. I said, so is, I, for some reason, I was under the impression that, that, um, that blue and gold was only six issues because like, no, it's eight. Cause I said, Oh, six issues. You're probably done already. Right. It's all in the can. He goes, Oh no, no, no. It, it's, it's eight issues. We're still, we're still working on it. So I was like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, I know you can't say what it is, but you got anything else coming up and yeah, so we'll talk a little more. And he did say he has something big. So, so that makes me happy that to know that we get more Dan Jurgen stuff because he's kind of at that age, getting up to that age where you start seeing less and less from that, you know, people, yeah. um, like Jerry Ord- Ordway, I think he's a spectacular artist still. And I don't understand why DC doesn't give him a regular book, but there's some, yeah. yeah. And, and maybe it just comes to the editors, the, the editors at DC now are young. And so they're looking for people, their generation, new voices, whatever. I, I don't know. It's a sub- subject for a different day. Needless to say, I'm glad that we uh, were getting more Dan Jerkins. So anyway, um, I knew I wasn't going to get my, I probably wasn't going to get my sketchbook back in time to give it, get it to Brett Breeding to give, to do a sketch for me so i figured out maybe i'll just buy a piece of original art that he already has there so i'm flipping through the his portfolio there and again he's known for his inks so he had a bunch of original art that was ron friends pencils with his inks over ron friends pencils okay. and ron friends he's he's an artist who i think he's done some good work um and he did he did work in that superman triangle era but he's right. not he's not my favorite he has a recognizable style um but I don't know. I, I kind of wanted just something that was, that was Brett. And he had right. a, he had a Superman that he did all by himself and there was no background or anything, but it's a, you know, it's an, um, a full comic size page. Um, mm-hmm. and so I bought that. Um, oh, nice. and, but I couldn't decide because when I got like to the end of his portfolio, there was one Ron friends page that caught my eye and it, it most of them said, most of the original art pieces said, Ron friends, Brett breeding. They were signed by, it was signed by both. This one wasn't signed at all, but the reason it wasn't signed at all is because it it, it was an actual uh, piece that got scanned in for a digital comic. So it's not, you know, technically the page, but it's the page from the digital comic. And it's, um, it's Clark, like it's zoomed in on Clark. He's sitting at his desk on the daily planet and he's kind of looking up like something just surprised him. He heard a noise or something. And, there's like a bunch of other characters from the daily planet behind him. And they're all like looking in the same direction too. Like there's this loud bang outside or, or whatever. Um, and I could tell it wasn't signed, but I, I asked Brett, I said, Ron friends, pencils, right. And, and your inks. And he's like, he's like, yeah. So that was, I think that one was one, one of them was anyway, one of them was 125 and one of them was 175 and I couldn't decide between the two. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get both. So ended up getting both. So I did end up getting some Ron friends, original art, but it's Brett breeding. And just, it was the only piece he had in his entire book that was, uh, that was like daily planet. You know, I just thought it was cool. It it was different. It's, it's a very, it felt very Superman. It felt very triangle era, even though it's from a digital comic that's more, more recent. And I got a, I I took one again, I have hundreds of Brett breeding uh, books, right? These were working in comics for a long time. I took of one. Of course, yes. Yeah, I took yeah. one to have signed. One of my, I just <laughs> thought it was, I think it's uh, Superman number 84. Um, it's kind of a, a stained glass background. And he's, you know, he, he came back in, in issue 82. So he's still wearing like that black Kryptonian suit with the silver um, Superman symbol on it. And he's like flying out sort of or leaping out at the, at the uh, reader. So that's the one I took. And he actually has that one on his banner. So it's one of his favorite covers too. So it was great to meet him took a picture with them, chatted with them for a little while. 
Um, but the, the, the person that I talked to right before then, another legendary creator who I have, again, I had to decide what books am I going to take? And I did, I, you know, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. I, because I said, I only take one. I could not decide. I could not decide for this next uh, creator. Um, so I ended up taking three books. I took Marvel spotlight number one, which uh, the captain Marvel cover where he's flying through space. I took Fury of Firestorm, number one, that blue cover where Firestorm standing. Oh, in Pat Broderick, you talking about? Pat Broderick. I was going to name all three and see if you could guess it. But yeah, Pat Broderick. No, no uh, I, I'm, I'm a huge Firestorm fan back in back in the uh, 80s there. And Pat Broderick, I, I, I recognize his art. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last book that I took, another number one, they were all number ones that I took was Captain Adam, number one from 1987. Oh, yeah. 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 Right on. So, yeah. He, I'd, and I'd never met him before. And he was so nice to talk to. He was so cool. And, uh, and his rates were super reasonable. Like it was 150 for a full figure commission, which I, I feel like that's low. I mean, Pat yeah. still does pretty good work, um, but I didn't want a full figure. I wanted, uh, I wanted something. The only sketchbook I took with me is my Superman brushing another character's teeth. Um, and when I told Pat <laughs> about this, he had the same reaction that every cr uh, creator or artist has when I talk about it, looks at me like, what the hell's wrong with you? Superman brushing somebody else's teeth. What? That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. So I showed him the couple that were in there. When I showed him the second one, it was Bizarro. And he goes, that's not what Bizarro is supposed to look like. Cause you know, he's, he's thinking the old school, right. You know, Bizarro. And this was more the new Bizarro whose, whose face isn't quite, you know, it doesn't have those angles, right. goes, but I was going to do Bizarro. Now I'm going to have to think of somebody else. I said, do who you want. You know, you want to do another Bizarro, you know, that's fine, whatever. But I didn't, I had no idea. I figured maybe he charged me 200 for it. Cause it, it's, it's not full figure. It's more, you know, like torso or, or three quarter, probably more like torso, or maybe you can make it work even with bust, but it's two yeah. figures. Um, so it goes, yeah, it might be kind of complicated. He wanted until Sunday. He asked me how long I was going to be there. So I'll be there for the whole, whole, whole show. And so he, he asked if he could work on it till Sunday, cause he wanted to do a good job. So I was like, sure. I'm not, you know, I'm never going to limit an artist. Yeah. Um, so that was why I didn't have my book to, to give to anybody else. Cause I, Jerry Ordway was, was next to Pat Broderick and I would have liked to, I was hoping maybe if I'm lucky, I could get one sketch each day. You know, I could get, if I had gotten, you know, Brett Breeding, Jerry Ordway and uh, Pat Broderick, that would have been, you know, massive. And maybe I could have had I done them in a different order, but I was fine with Pat wanting to do a, a good job on it. So, and again, he was great to, to talk to and to chat with and I got a picture with him. And um, so that was, that was, that was pretty amazing. And, but at the end of the day, I didn't even end up getting the commission from him. Um, because I, I went to check on Sunday with like a few hours left, maybe three hours left of the show. Mm -hmm. And he, I, when I asked him about it, he goes, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I know what I'm going to do. I have it all planned out in my head. It should go pretty quick. And I'm going to start on it right after I finish this one. And he was almost done with a, a cover commission he was doing. Um, but his, his wife was literally had her like little scooter that she, cause apparently she has mobility issues. So she, she had her little scooter, like parked in front of his table and a sign saying he, he couldn't um, he wasn't doing any more autographs because he was behind. He was trying to catch up. <laughs> she was trying to keep people from coming up and bugging him. But wow. since I was there to check on a commission, you know, she let me talk to him. Um, so I told him, I said, I said, Pat, if you're if you're behind and you need to catch up, you can skip me and ship it later. I don't mind. You know, it's not a big deal if there's people at the here at the show that have to have their stuff today. And he was like, really? You, don't, you know, you don't mind? I said, no, not at all. I, I, I said, I want whatever's in your head 
to be down on the paper. I don't want you to have to cut any quarters. Right? He's like, and he said, well, honestly, you'll get a better piece if I can take it home. And I was like, more, no, no problem. Take it home, oh. ship it to me later. Oh, that's said, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I said, I'll even pay for the shipping. I don't, I don't care. I just want, because again, I'm, I'm getting this for 150 and I was expecting to pay at least 200. So if I got to pay another 20 bucks for shipping, what do I care? You know? Yeah, um, no, for sure. So yeah. So he was really appreciative of that. And, you know, we, we had a good conversation on Friday and I, so I felt like that, that, that lent to him wanting to do a good job. Um, and probably the reason, because it's a more complicated piece that he hadn't started it yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he probably had people that, well, this is my only day at the show. I need a commission. And so people were, you know, getting ahead of me in line, which was fine. Again, I want him to do the best job that he can. So, so that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, another creator that was there who, I, I can't remember if I've ever met him before, but I, cert- I I may have met him at New York Comic-Con before, but never chatted with him as much as I did at this show. And that was Lee Weeks. Had a, an amazing conversation with Lee Weeks on Friday and then another long conversation with him on, on Sunday. Um, and I got him to sign my, again, I mean, so, so many Lee Weeks books that I have, so hard to choose. And this is a book that I love. And for me, as much as Frank Miller is, is synonymous with Daredevil and, and you know, the... Electra Assassin and all that kind of thing. For me, my absolute favorite Daredevil story is actually Last Rites by DJ oh. Chichester and uh, and Lee Weeks. And DJ Chichester was there as well. So for for that reason, that helped me make my decision. I took yeah. Daredevil number three hundred because you know oh, nice. Lee Weeks drew it and Chichester wrote it. And so that allowed me to just cut down on <laughs> the number of books I had to take. So both you know I got both of them to sign that. So that was that was really cool. And Trevor actually got this really cool Daredevil head sketch by Lee Weeks where, you know, it's, it's like a, a bust, I guess, not quite a headshot. It shows some yeah. shoulders with the New York skyline behind, uh, oh, behind him. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, yeah, he did the, yeah. Superman, Lois and Clark, the Batman annual yeah. number two, he did. That's right. And Batman and Elmer Fudd and Gambit. Yeah. Those we had a, key we, issues there. we had a really long talk about Batman, Elmer Fudd. Yeah. Um, and actually, so Lee wants to come on the show and he wants me to get Tom King to come on at the same time. They want to talk about Elmer <laughs> Fudd. I, I don't know if Tom, I mean, I, I think he will because Lee, he, he was giving me some like behind the scenes stuff about how it all came down. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's, it's yeah, he was kind of dishing. Uh, so that was cool. I, I'm not going to repeat any of it here because I don't know if, if Tom would be okay with it. Um, but it was, but it was pretty interesting. It was, right. it was pretty interesting. Uh, Donnie oh. Cates was a, probably a, another big name that was there. And I, I've, I've talked to Donnie a few times before uh, and his wife, Megan Hutchinson was there. Um, so I got a chance to say hi to those, those two also, but he had a big, he had a pretty big line all weekend. Well, I'm sure he did. Yeah. yeah. Um, somebody else who was there. Uh, if anybody remembers our big giant uh, best of, of 2020 awards, I gave my uh, upcoming talent to a cover artist named Shannon Mayer. Uh, and he was there. And so I got a chance to meet him for the first time and invited him on the show. So I have some contact information on how to get a hold of him. And he, he was really excited about coming on and chatting. Um, so that was cool. I, and I didn't have any Shannon Mirror covers, despite me saying best art. I went looking and I couldn't find, I was like, I know, I know I have some X-Men covers by him, but I could not find them. So I figured rightly so that they would have some covers at the booth. He was at the comic mint booth. He, he didn't have his own table. Um, but well, he had his own table. Uh, he had a couple tables actually, but it was affiliated with Comic Mint, um, and they had a, they had some some of his covers there. So I bought a, a couple of those and and had him sign them. So 
So that was pretty cool. Michael Golden was also there. Uh, Ron Garney was there. Um, and I, I'd never met Ron before. So I got had a chance to chat with him. And a lot of times, you know, when I first started out, I used to do the interviews at the shows. But now I just prefer to do them because you get more time and a better interview uh, when people are more relaxed. So but a, a lot of these creators, you know, I, I mentioned, hey, if you want to ever come on the show. And a lot of them are very receptive. Like, oh, yeah, reach out and we'll, you know, we'll get it set up. So I need to do that. I need to at least touch base uh, with these people just to remind them, hey, you know, because you forget, you know, you talk to so many people, you forget. So so that was good. Uh, Merritt Michaels was there and, and he's a buddy. He lives here in Phoenix. So we were actually talking about the weather and property values in Phoenix more than we talked about any, any books. Um, so, yeah, there were a lot of really great people. I'm trying to think if there's any other artists. Oh, you know, Randy Emberlin was there. He was the one, the only person whose book I didn't get, like who I took a book for and then didn't get it signed. Right. He had kind of a giant line and he was charging $10 a signature. And I just, I kind of couldn't justify it. Like I don't begrudge these artists charging. And normally I don't pay for signatures um, Mm -hmm. because I feel like I'm not the CGC. Like I a hundred percent think that artists should charge for CGC signatures. Right. If it's, or if, or if somebody's got the little window sticker or whatever. And because to me that just immediately screams, I'm trying to flip the book. I, I, whenever I get a book signed, I ask it to be personalized. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking to resell the books. So yeah. I like how, what Lee Weeks does. If you, if you ask for it to be personalized, he doesn't charge you. But if you want it not personalized or CGC, he charges more. So I, I think that's great. So, but anyway, the Randy, I was like, man, I just can't. He had a big line. I'm like, I'm not going to wait in line. He, all weekend he had a line, um, you know, and this is the guy that worked with Mark Bagley on Amazing Spider-Man forever. So yeah. ultimately I just, I eventually asked, eh, you know, I think I'm going to skip skip getting his uh his autograph so but there's there's a who's who there i mean bill tucci uh barbara friedlander yeah. sean crystal tony cordos steve montano i didn't Adi see Ramos. i didn't see tony tony cordos so i don't know if he backed out or not i don't remember seeing him uh but yeah, oh. yeah. but even justin gray peter tomasi did you see him yeah yeah i talked to i talked to peter um and we talked a little bit about skype uh or snipe and slug that, that he's working yeah. on with um, with Brad, uh, and he thinks it, it, it's, it, Brad, uh, you know, like I'm throwing Brad under the bus, but Brad has, was, isn't going as fast now as he was in the beginning. And right. they want to be sure that there's no delays once they do launch, which I, I think that's hundred percent the right way to go. Like, don't put yeah. some books out. Don't, you know, don't put out the first two issues of, of snipe and slug and then wait, you know, go on hiatus for three months and then put it. No, like wait till it, it's either all done or make sure it can be monthly. So you don't lose the momentum. Um, and Brad, you know, I already talked to Brad about coming on the show. And, uh, and so I, I mentioned that to Pete, I was like, you know, would you want to come on when Brad comes on? Um, I know it's not, the time is not now, but whenever he goes, yeah, yeah. Bring us on together. Like, don't, don't, don't do them separate. Like let's, we'll all come on together. So I'm like, okay, great. You know, we'll make it happen when the, when the time comes. Um, and then I asked him much like I asked Jurgens. I said, well, are you working? You may not be able to say. Um, but are you working on something else? He's like, I'm working on something huge, but it's not, it's not comics. So it's gotta, it must be like, I'm thinking it's a movie or uh, a TV show. Maybe, oh, wow. maybe, an, maybe a nonfiction or a, uh, maybe a fictional novel because I know he's done nonfiction like the Brooklyn bridge thing, but I don't think he's ever released a non um, or yeah. a, a, I keep saying none. I don't think he's ever released a fiction book. 
but based on the fact of how big he said it was, I get the feeling it it's, you know, maybe it's an animated movie. I, I, I don't know what it is, but he's working on it. And in fact, um, Trevor, when Trevor talked to him on Saturday, he asked him if you could buy him a drink because they correspond on, on Twitter a lot, apparently. And, yeah. uh, and Peter even asked for copies of, of Trevor's book. Um, but uh, Peter was like, yeah, I'd like to, but I'm actually going up to my room to write. Uh, so I, and I can't remember that. I can't remember if that was Friday night or Saturday. I think it was Saturday night. Um, so anyway, yeah, it, it, as far as like creators, yeah, it was a really good show. Um, right on. But I think, again, if it wasn't this first show after COVID and, and still seeing the Delta variant, it would have been better. Like in, in previous years, he's had bigger, not necessarily bigger, but more, you know, more names there. Well, I think they well, the website said they had to they had to make it smaller for the yeah. I think because of that. So they had to have fewer like so many people parole or something. So, yeah. Did, yeah, did exactly. you actually did you actually manage to? check out and buy any uh key comics did you oh my god make any oh my god or oh my god rocky i bought so many comics did you I really bought so many comics i you know what because of the auction i i paid a over a hundred dollars to ship out a big box that had a lot of the items for auction oh. and i told him i said everything's gonna go i'm not gonna have to bring anything back um i'm not gonna have to ship anything back whatever man i bought so many comics i was like well they're never all gonna fit in my suitcase and then i a bunch of the i uh Items that were won at auction were won by people online. So I had to, br- I'm going to have to bring those items back home anyway yeah. to ship them out. And, and yeah, half the, bo- so now half that giant box is comics and half that giant box is the donated items. So yeah, that's what I was going to talk about next. Really great show for, for buying books, like books that I hadn't seen. And maybe because it's, I, I'm out here on the West Coast and I do mostly West Coast shows. But over there, like I, I never see an inv- ungraded invincible number one anymore. And I've been looking one for one for a long time. And there was one at the show. And that was going to be my big purchase. And I mean, it's a big purchase. The guy had it for $850. <laughs> and it had a little bit of a chip on the top cover and a little bit of a chip on the bottom, um, yeah. on the bottom of the, the front cover. And wow. I saw it on Friday and I looked at it and I thought about it and I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to think about it over the weekend and we'll see. And I kind of cruised by there on Saturday again and, and took a look at it and took, a, I asked him if he might, I took a couple of pictures and he said, no, he took it out for me so I could look at the back cover. Um, and I just felt like he was asking a little too much. I would have been willing to go, to go pretty, maybe probably not. I wouldn't go 800, maybe 750. I would have, I would have, 750 would have, I would have been agonizing 700. I would have taken it for sure. 700, anything below that. I would have taken it yeah. for sure. 725, 725. I would have taken it for sure. Did he ever sell it? Did it ever sell? So I, so I waited, right. I waited until later in the day on, on Sunday. And I was like, this is the way I'm going to do it. And if he sells it before, then it wasn't meant to be, but I'm going to wait till later in the day. Um, and I'll go make him an offer and see what happens. So I offered him 600, which I know it was worth more than 600, but I'm figuring, you know, he wants 850. I say 600. We meet somewhere in the middle. And he just kind of shakes his head. He's like, nah, I can't do it. And I, I kind of looked at it. I was like, well, work with me, man. He's like, nah, I got to get 850. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not worth. I looked, I looked on eBay at recent sales because mm-hmm. every once in a while you will see an, an ungraded one go. And there were, there were better quality ones that went for less on yeah. eBay. Um, that went for significantly less than 850. So I was like, no, it's not, it's not worth it. And if you need to get 850, then I, we got nothing to talk about, you know? So I walked away from it. I didn't, 
It's it's hard to say, you know, maybe, in a, you know, if the cartoon continues to be, you know, very popular, you know, you might you might end up regretting not taking it for 850 down the road. But I mean, it, that's yeah, still very expensive. I, I think back to when it was first the movie was first announced. And I think I've told the story before. There was one at WonderCon for 175. Um, and it, but it wasn't it. It certainly wasn't. It was maybe an eight point five. It had a couple of. Uh, it had like a whitening on one of the corners of the front cover and it had a couple spine ticks. Mm. Um, one of them was even like a color break on the spine. And I just felt like it was a little too high. And I was, I was like, let me think about it. Maybe do this kind of the same thing. Maybe offer the guy like 150 or 125 on Sunday. But that was the show where freaking Robert Kirkman announced the Invincible, which at the time was going to be a movie. Seth Rogen was going to make, you know, produce an Invincible movie. And the next day when I went back, that was Saturday morning that at WonderCon that um, Kirkman made that announcement. When I went back to the guy's booth later that afternoon, Saturday, he marked it up to 300, which now, <laughs> you know, in retrospect, <laughs> duh, I should have bought it for 300. But, you know, it just, I was like, no, nah, I just, I've been looking, I had wanted one for so long and I didn't, it's my own fault that I didn't pursue it sooner. And then, yeah, of course it, you know, once it became a property, speculators get involved and now 300 sounds like, of course, a steal, but I don't even know if I still would have wanted that one at 300 because it wasn't, I, I would want one in a better shape. You know, it wasn't, yeah. that one was kind of rough, but you just don't see ungraded ones. So yeah, it didn't at, at 850. I don't feel like there's any meat on the bone. If I need to sell it, uh, then I'm stuck. I got to get 850, you know, and is it really worth 850 when there's better ones selling for less? I needed more wiggle room. So I didn't, I didn't buy that. But um, what I did do was, I, I, I've been working on my Captain America run and then there's still some Spider-Man issues that I'm missing. So that's, that's basically what I worked on. And unfortunately, again, as a goddamn speculators, um, <laughs> because again, I don't go for graded books. I just, I want, I want just my runs. And with Captain America, I think, I don't know if I've ever said this on the show before I bought Captain America off the rack from like issue 280 all the way up until the, the first series ended. Um, but my brother, my older brother, that was the only comic book he read. I would buy them, read it, and give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. So he's got the run. And I don't even know <laughs> if he took care of it or what's happened to it. He lives in Missouri. Who knows? He's, he moves like every six months. So they're probably all beat to hell. But I had all of them. I had, you know, and now with the, the Falcon Winter Soldier movie and, and um, John Walker or whatever, now there's all those. The, before Falcon and Winter Soldier, you could have bought that entire run for probably like a hundred bucks, you know, from like 300 to, to 350, let's say 360, where a lot of those keys are easily. And now, you know, first appearance of John Walker, I've seen it for as high as 80. Um, the one where cap quits is like 25, whatever. So, you know, I need it. Those were the books that I was still missing to fill out the run, but that's what I did. I hunted, I hunted those down and some of them, you know, some of them like three, two, three bucks, I ended up finding a 50 cent bin where I got a big stack. I probably got like 14 books and they're 50 cents for a reason, right? I mean, they're reader <laughs> copies and I'll probably swap them out later on for, for better grade stuff, but I have they're they're not expensive issues. You know, they're probably two or three bucks in, in the price guide. But the problem is when I find them on eBay, it's hard to find a run that doesn't have like a big key in it that boosts up the price. And I'm also paying for shipping. So it, it makes the average I'm paying over five bucks for, for a book. That's just not worth five bucks. You know, when you break it, when you break it down, that's yeah. why I was like, I got to pick these books up at shows. And, and yeah, I was, I, I kept telling myself, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to stop buying them stuff. And I kept 
just, you know, oh, this guy's got a big stack of the, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man stuff that I needed is more like recent in the last few years, like above 700, above 750. And again, it's just most places are selling them for cover price, which is basically like 499. But then I'm paying 10 bucks in shipping. So it's not a $15 book. I'm not going to pay $15 on eBay for it. Yeah. Um, or even if I go through a, a, you know, a website, like my comic shop or something like that, it's just, it's not worth it. So just wait till I'm at a show. And so that's what I did. So yeah, I did buy a ton of, of those. And I, I did I buy anything else that was big? Um, I don't think I did, but I did get those big Captain America keys. So three thirty three, I think it is, um, which is the first appearance of um, of John Walker. And then there's the 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 one with the red cover with the cap cow where it's empty. That's a key, uh, and I picked up that one. And then the one where he quits um, is also a key. So yeah, I got all those plus a bunch of other Captain Americas, and I got some Amazing Spider Mans, and I feel like there's other some other stuff that I that I picked up. Um, but, oh, I also got the, um, the, the, one of the Captain America books I was missing from the Ed Brubaker run, which is the, it's issue 14. It's the, um, the origin of the winter soldier where on the cover, they're kind of facing off against each other. Right. Um, oh, you got that one. Yeah. I picked up that one. That was probably the most expensive single book I bought. I think I paid 40 for that. Um, but it's like a 9.0 easily. Um, so uh, again, just a, another key I was missing. So yeah, it, in terms of a shopping show, it's great. And they have a lot, a lot of other vendors. And I don't usually like it when small shows do this because they'll, I feel like they go overboard with it and they have people with like sock puppets and, you know, like doormats <laughs> and just the most random stuff. Like I, I've, I've yeah. seen a, a guy set up selling sprinkler systems at a show. It's like, what are you doing? You know? Um, so that stuff's usually, if it's not, at least tangentially related, it kind of bugs me, but the, he only had two things that were completely unrelated, but they still were cool. There was somebody, uh, it was called moon moonshine chocolate. And it was like homemade fudge and all crazy different colors and different flavors. And they had a pretty big uh, line most of the, the, uh, the weekend. So that was kind of cool. Then there was another guy that was uh, selling hot sauce and you could buy a, he had like eight different kinds of hot sauce and you could buy like a, a four pack, a six pack, <laughs> or individual and he would yeah. he would give you a sample if you wanted I, I mentioned my stomach was messed up from that chicken so i, I yeah. and i love hot sauce but i was also like okay i don't want to try it out because of my stomach and also what if i love it then i gotta i can't carry hot sauce on an airplane you know it's liquid <laughs> they're not gonna <laughs> let me um and then there were some people selling some prints and no, normally i'm like never buy. i have so many prints that i can't even have i don't have room to hang them all up i, I don't even have portfolio books but there was one guy that had a really, really cool print of Stan Lee mm. and Stan's like opening up his shirt like Superman, but it's a Spider-Man shirt underneath it. And it just looked really great. And I, I wanted it. I'm like, it's Stan Lee. You know, I don't, I don't have any <laughs> Stan Lee stuff hanging up. And it was amazing. Um, and I also want to get something for my daughter. And so I thought he had some Disney princess prints and some like DC superhero girl prints. So. Uh, I asked the guy if it was okay if I took a couple of pictures, you know, because usually that's not a no-no at a booth where you, you know, yeah. take a picture of a print so you don't have to buy it. But I didn't, I wasn't like, let me get super focused, but I purposely did them at bad angles so he knew I wasn't trying to do that. And I sent them to uh, to my daughter and I was like, do any of these interest you? And, and you've got to really want it. Don't tell me you want it if it's going to just end up in the back of your closet. Like if you're getting this, we're hanging it up. 
and she wanted a there was a beauty and the beast one disney's beauty and the beast so i got that for her and and the reason i asked her is because it was buy two get one get one free oh nice so then i picked up a moon knight like a like a a chibi moon knight you know like a cartoon type moon knight as well so uh, normally again not a print print guy but uh, but went ahead and picked that up so so yeah that that was the extent of my shopping um but there were so many i mean there were dollar boxes there were, and it just like you couldn't walk from the uh where the creators and celebrities were and and then they were kind of all the way in the back and then you had the the small press self-published area and then you had the retailers and then the front door where you would come in and out so you couldn't i couldn't walk anywhere couldn't you know i couldn't walk out to get a soda or you know go walk around the casino or, or any i couldn't without walking through the retail area and just feel the pull like i best yeah really really great shopping show well, did you have uh did you have a like when you bought all this stuff did you have a place to put it or you just you just put it behind you went back to yeah dark <laughs> night and just put it behind the, the yeah, bench yeah, or whatever yeah or the table? yeah it, yeah exactly um well i did well i mean i did all, all my shopping on saturday okay. uh, so basically once i was done saturday afternoon i i took it out to the car so i wasn't taking up too much space in his his booth but yeah, my bag was back behind his booth. So I was just putting stuff in my bag and then pretty soon it was overflowing the bag. So, and that's also where I, behind the, under his table was where I was keeping all the donated items. So I was like stacking stuff up there too. And then, like I said, once I had all my books, cause I got all my books that I took to be autographed. I got those all done on Friday, got all my books signed on Friday. Um, and then bought all my books. I was probably done shopping by midday or maybe late afternoon on, well, I say I was done midday, but then I kept going and buying more, even though I tell myself stop. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just took them all out to the car, but I was pretty fried on Saturday, to be honest with you, because so Friday it was pretty slow and it was definitely Trevor's slowest day. Uh, and he was a little worried and I kept telling him it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, you got to put in your time and you may not make your table on, you know, in the first show and, and all that kind of thing. So once the show was over, you know, we were both starving because the show went from from like tw- twelve or yeah, from twelve to to eight on uh, on Friday. So then we went over to Johnny Rockets. You know, we both had our bags. So we went over to Johnny Rockets. We had something to eat. We walked out and put our bags in the car, and then we went back in to the casino because we were going to try to walk around and and see where everybody was hanging out. Because usually in this kind of a situation, when everybody's right there, everybody's going to be at the same bar. But the place was so huge and spread out. And when I talked to the creators during the day, I kind of hinted at it, but didn't come right out and ask, where's everybody going, you know? Um, But nobody had any idea. A lot of people were going out to dinner and then playing it by ear. So we bar hopped on Friday night. um, And the only people we saw, we ran into Frank Thierry and and Jimmy Palmiotti. They were on their way to get a drink, but tell just by the conversation, they weren't looking, you know, for any tag alongs, whatever. So we kind of let it go. Um, So by, by like midnight, I'd say I I was was, because by the time we sat down to eat at Johnny Rockets, it was nine o'clock, you know, Mm -hmm. and then by the time we went to the car and then had one round of drinks. Now it's like 1130. I'm pretty much ready to go. But Trevor wanted to to barf. And and, and I get it. Like he's a he's trying to network. You know, he's trying to talk to these creators and um, make connections and whatnot. So I I totally get it. And I know most of them. So a lot of them. So it's, you know, he's trying to take advantage of that. And again, I don't blame him if I was in his position. I'd be doing exactly the same thing. Um, but we just, we didn't see anybody. Yeah. So, but we still, uh, it was still fun. Like we, we hopped yeah. around from bar to bar 
um, uh, we, we went, we ended up at this one bar. I think it was the last place that we like actual bar that we went to and it was getting close to midnight and I go to use the restroom. I go to use the restroom. And apparently what I didn't know is there were, uh, there was a larger restroom upstairs that had more than one, like uh, men's restroom had like more than one, more than one person could use at a time. So I went to the one um, downstairs and it was locked. And so I was just going to go back and sit back down at the bar. And then right as I started to walk away, the guy opened the door. So I was like, okay. So I went in there. Um, and I, I mean, I don't want to get too gross, but I wasn't in there for very long. If you know what I mean? Because, because yeah. I didn't, I only needed to go number one. I'll just say yeah. it. I only needed to go number one. And so I, I finish and I walk out and there's a guy waiting and he goes in there. And then, um, I walk back to the bar and, and this was the restroom was all the way on the other side of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. I mean, the far corner. So it probably took, took me, I don't know, three or four minutes to walk back at least. Um, maybe not quite that long, maybe two minutes. Anyway, it felt like a long time, but I got there and then Trevor was like, uh, where's the restroom? Cause I need to go to. And I said, Oh, it's all the way in the back corner, but there's some guy just went in there. So, you know, you might want to wait a couple minutes. So he waited a couple minutes and then he goes, and then when he comes back, he said he got to the restroom right when that guy was coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And that guy told him, he goes, you know, there's, there's restrooms upstairs because this restroom is not suitable for use. That's what he told Trevor. <laughs> and I was cracking up because I was like, so what was he saying? Like there was like shit on the walls or like, what was he, what was he going? It's like, what did he mean by that? But he said, he told Trevor, he goes, yeah, you might want to go upstairs because this restroom is not suitable for use. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention, it was like that when I got here, though. He wouldn't take responsibility. <laughs> and I, and he does, the guy doesn't know that Trevor and I are together yeah. and it, and it, not that it would matter or whatever. But I'm basically he's basically saying it's my fault. Uh, and I, I'm like, Trevor, I was in there right before that guy. Um, and it was fine. Like, so I don't know what that guy did. Um but it was so that was the phrase of the weekend like when you know saturday that was friday night that happened saturday when i i was feeling so terrible i told trevor i go i'm not suitable for use man like i'm i'm fried so yeah it was it was pretty funny so anyway after that um we took like one one more lap around to try to see where everybody was we didn't find anybody so we're like okay one more drink um and we sat down at like a video poker bar uh you know where you like just like vegas you know you've got a screen in front of you and if you're playing you can get free drinks so we both put 20 bucks in and he's playing blackjack and i meant to play blackjack but i accidentally hit the poker and i ended up playing poker and um i was down i, I played like 20 dollars. trevor played 20 dollars. i was down at one point to like four bucks um but then i think i was up to like 11 dollars or something like that and i hit a four of a kind and it, that boosted me all the way up to $40. And I'm like, cash out. I doubled my money. That's it for me. I'm good. I'm not a big gambler. So I'm like, whatever. But yeah. Trevor Trevor lost. And Trevor likes to gamble. He lost his $20. So he's like, F this. I'm gonna, I am gonna. need to go play some real blackjack. And that, that's what he likes to play is blackjack. So he went and found a blackjack table. Um, and I'm standing there behind, kind of watching. And every time I'm watching him, he loses. But if I turn away and I watch the table next to me, he wins. So mm-hmm. I, I don't... I purposely don't watch him and the table next to him was was caribbean stud now i love playing caribbean stud 
Um, I don't think I've ever played Caribbean stud, but uh, they used to have tables of it in Vegas, but they don't anymore. And basically it's five card stud. You get uh-huh. five cards um, and you make, and, and you know, you, so you, you place, you place your bet. Um, and then you get to look at your hand and decide if you want to continue. Right. So okay. you place whatever, say, say your, your ante is a dollar and you look at your hand and you want, you say, yeah, this is a good hand. I want to play it. You have to put a second bet that is double what your first ante is. Right. So you, you would, you would put $2. Now the way it works is if your hand beats the dealer hand, the dealer matches your ante and matches your bet, but it also, it pays out progressively. So if you get, you know, one pair and you beat the dealer, he matches your ante and then pays you equally on your bet. Right. Let's say you get two pair that pays two to one. So if you beat the dealer with two pair, the dealer matches his, your ante and then pays you out two to one on your, on your backup bet. And then three of a kind pays like five to one and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Now the caveat is the dealer has to qualify in order to pay out on your back bet. So what that means is the dealer needs ace, king, or better. If the dealer doesn't have ace, king, or better, it's assumed that the dealer would, if he looked at his hand, would fold, right? But the right. dealer doesn't look at his hand until after you've, or doesn't flip the cards over until after you make your decision. So right. you could have, and this is the only time I've ever gotten a royal flush in my life. And I used to yeah. play a lot of poker, was playing Caribbean stud. Yeah. And it pays like, so, uh, it pays depending on the table, thousand to one, 10,000 to one, some right. Caribbean stud tables in Vegas, they'd have a progressive jackpot that would be in the hundreds of thousands. Right. Um, and I got dealt a Royal flush in hearts yeah. and the but dealer they, did not qualify. Dealer had oh. And so I, with the Royal flush, I won like $5 off a Royal flush and I would have won. I can't remember how much it was. $87,000 or something like that. If the dealer would have qualified. So, so anyway, I hadn't even seen a, a, a Caribbean stud table in a really long time. And there was only one guy playing. So I, I was kind of watching that and that was interesting for a while. Mm. Um, and Trevor was fluctuating up and down. And so finally I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go walk around. So, you know, get my steps in. So I just went wandering around the casino for like, I don't know. I'm like waiting to hear from Trevor. Like he's got to be ready to go by now. Right. <laughs> um, and I didn't hear from him for like two hours and I'm just wandering around. And eventually I, I sort of get lost to be honest with you. And he, we're trying to find each other. I, I was like, I was trying to walk back to where he was and I couldn't, I couldn't, I was walking around in circles. I couldn't find where he was. Then eventually I heard from him and um, then, you know, he found me and then we, he took us the, the same way. And I'm like, Oh, here's where I made the wrong turn. Here's where. So that, you know, that was Friday by Saturday. I knew how to kind of get around because there was I, what confused me was the multiple levels. I forgot that we'd gone down an escalator basically. Um, so anyway, we didn't leave the casino uh, or the, the convention center, or what have you on Friday until like three 30 between three and three 30 in the morning. Um, and, and part of why I went walking around, because when I went walking around, it was like one fifty. I was like, I'm going to go, find another place to get another drink, you know, but just, just like here in, in Arizona or California, a lot of places, there's an alcohol curfew at 2 AM. So they stopped serving. So by the time I found a place, they weren't serving anymore. So I just walked around and got my steps in. Was there a lot of people? How was the nightlife there? Like, was it uh, there was not? a lot of, pe- it, you know, by that time, by, by two o'clock, it had started to uh, kind of thin out. And I wouldn't say it was super busy. Even Trevor said on Friday night that it seemed kind of slow. Um, and then of course, by the time that we left at like, you know, three, three fifteen, it was, it was pretty empty. 
you know, um, if you've ever been to Vegas at that time in the morning, there are the diehards, but for the most part, most of the tables are closed. It's quiet. So anyway, we, we go back to the, to his house and we stupidly don't go to bed. We're still not going to bed. We're like, what are we doing? Um, I can't, we are just kind of rehashing the day and I, we wanted to have one last drink. And, and this is where I made maybe one of my biggest mistakes of the weekend outside of the, outside of choosing American airlines to travel with, you know how to play liar's dice, Rocky liar's dice. Yeah. to kind of a drinking game. Obviously not. If you've never heard of it. I, I don't think so. No. Anyway, I taught Trevor how to play liar's dice and that, that man became addicted very quickly. And all he wanted to do was play liar's dice the rest of the weekend. Anytime. Hey, let's play some liar's dice. Let's play some liar's dice. So, because, you know, normally you play liar's dice. It's like a cup of dice. You each have a cup with, um, with five dice in it. Obviously we're not carrying dice cups around, but you know, now with your phone, you can just do it virtually. So yeah. Uh, he just wanted to play liar's dice. So we ended up playing liar's dice. till like five in the morning, uh. we went to bed at five in the morning. I go to bed, the sun is coming up and I'm like, Oh my God. And we got to be back at the show. The show opens at nine 30. Like VIP people. Yeah. So, so dumb. Like talk about how I got so little sleep. The first night was my fault. Like, you know, my fault as much as Trevor's or whatever. They're nuts. Uh, so, yeah. So, like I said, when I was, I, when I was not suitable for use on Saturday, that, that was why. So we go to the show on Saturday and we actually kind of got there a little bit. No, we got there. We got there in time. We got there right on time didn't have a lot of time. had like 10 minutes to set up because when we went on saturday we we went dropped ourselves off of the table ran into this casino real fast to the starbucks and got starbucks and then went back to the table and then yeah i the first thing i did on saturday is i went and got i wanted to know about the equipment like how do i set up for the auction how do i hook up my laptop how does the projector work what about sound like all that i was getting the logistics out of the way and the getting the room. And so I talked to the girl, the, the woman that was in charge of programming. And she, because I taught, I was in the room. So they had two program rooms. One of them had a screen and a projector and one didn't. And so obviously I needed the one with the projector. But when I was in there and the guy was asking me what I was doing, I was explaining, I have a panel in here at one o'clock. And he's like, no, no, Scott Patterson's in here. It's Scott Patterson. If you don't know, he's, uh, he played Luke on Gilmore Girls. That's what he's most known for. And he was oh, there yeah. in, uh, in kind of the celebrity area. Uh, and my wife's a giant Gilmore Girls fan, and and that character, Scott Patterson's character, is her favorite character on the show. And so, um, I went to the program. I'm like, I just want to be sure that I understand, and I'm not mistaken. I, I do need a, um, you know, I do need a, the the projector. And she goes, Oh no, no, that's fine. We're going to move Scott. You know, Scott was really supposed to be in that room, but we're going to move him over uh, into the other program room. And I was like, Okay, great. You know, no problem. So. Um, because he's such a, and so at that point I felt good, like, and she, I asked her about the projector and she's like, yeah, there's a couple of people here. If you see them, they work for the casino, they can tell you, uh, or the convention center, they can tell you how to work it, but it's, it's pretty much plug and play. Um, you know, my suggestion would be if you want to, at the end of the day, if you want to go try it out. So that was my plan. At the end of the day, I'm going to go after the last panel's over, I'm going to go and hook it up and make sure I understand how everything works. Um, so I did my shopping. Like I said, I was done, you know, toward the end of the day, I didn't really have anything that I needed to do. And Scott Patterson had a big line all weekend. Uh, but I, there was one point on Saturday where it was getting kind of, kind of shorter. And I had walked by his booth and looked and he was charging like $20 for an autograph or you could uh, take your picture with him for 40. And so I kind of wanted to get my wife a little video. Like I was wondering if I could pay 40 and he would just say hi to my wife basically. Mm. Um, 
but I, I thought it would be funny as an icebreaker to say something along the lines of, sorry, I got you kicked out of your panel room. You know, even though I know <laughs> that when those celebrities do those things, they don't have any idea what panel room they're in or whatever. They just go where the handlers take them and, and whatever. Mm. Um, so I, I did say that. I, I was like, uh, yeah, sorry. And he's like, what are you talking about, man? So I explained to him about the, the, um, the charity auction. And he immediately says, how can I help? And I was like, wait, are you, are you serious? I didn't come over here trying to get this guy to do that. I was going to get a video yeah. from my wife. But yeah, he was, he was, he was, he's like, yeah, I want to help. Like, what can we do? And so that, I, that was really touching. Um, so we chatted about it and ended up coming up with this idea of him doing a, a virtual zoom session with some Gilmore girls fans. And we auctioned that off at the auction as well. And so, you know, it was, it was pretty great. Thanks. Yeah, it was, right. it was really awesome. And then I was like, I, Scott, I, you know, I really appreciate this from the bottom of my heart, you know, it means so much, like what a great guy to do this, to, to want to get involved. And uh, I said, That's actually, awesome. you know, the, the real reason I came over here was, you know, my wife's a big fan and. So we had a conversation about that. And then, uh, you know, I asked him about the doing the video for her. And he said, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Let's do it. So we did it. And then, then he wouldn't let me pay him for it. Like, I was <laughs> like, I got to give you something. He's like, give me a fist bump. I was like, OK. And then I th so then I was going to walk away. And, and he's and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll put together a graphic, um, you know, with your picture on it and whatnot. And, you know, we'll put it up on social media and you can spread it out to all your fans and whatnot. And he's like, why don't we do a video for that, too? So we did a little 20 second video where he's you know, imploring people to, to help out and to donate. So yeah, really, really great That's guy. Awesome. Like, absolutely. Like fantastic guy. So, uh, so that was, that was Saturday. And again, I was like really touched. Like I, I called my wife, like I almost started crying, honestly, when he, when he volunteered to do that, like right in front of him, yeah. um, got all choked up because it just, yeah. I just didn't expect it. And and I'm sure a lot of it had to do with the fact that I'd had like three hours of sleep. That didn't help. <laughs> uh, you were crying because your eyes were watering from um, all the alcohol you drank. Yeah, yeah that You're and so not, having any, not, not, not having any sleep from the night, you know, the couple nights before. Um, but no, I actually didn't drink that much on, on because it was so long on, um, on Friday night. You know, I only had like maybe four drinks over a period of, like I said, we didn't leave till three. So that was a period of like five hours. I had four drinks, you know, so I wasn't, uh, but you know, I did have one more at Trevor's house and I think a shot or whatever. So, but yeah, anyway. Um, so then I did, I went and called my wife and, you know, I sent her the video first without any, cause I had told her that he was there on Friday and she was like, Oh, you know, he's my favorite, blah, blah, blah. She freak out. So I sent her the video that he made for her, which was basically like, he's like, Lois, where are you? Why aren't you here? I want to meet you. Like, it was so fun. Uh, it's like 30 seconds, 40 seconds, something like that. Yeah. So I, without any context, I just send it to her. And all I get back is all caps. O M G. <laughs> like, so yeah. So she was, she was pretty stoked. So then I went outside and I, I had to call her, you know, I wanted to tell her about how he, like, what a great guy he was um, yeah. wanting to help out um, Titus's charity and, and whatnot. So, and I did, I did, I was crying on the phone. Like I, I'd fully admit it. Like I, I was overcome because uh, oh, it's just such awesome. a great thing for him to do. Right. So, mm. so anyway, uh, went back in, finished up my shopping, just kind of hanging out with the guys. At, Cause Trevor had another one of his buddies at the booth, helping him out on Saturday. And he did really well on Saturday. Like he did really well. He made his table on Saturday plus some. Mm -hmm. So that was fantastic. And he, he was making connections and talking to people. And, um, and I did talk to Donnie Cates on Saturday and I asked him if he had a, if he had a chance to go by, because uh, it was like, you know, this is, I have a friend. He doesn't know I'm asking you this. He's tabling at his first show and it would mean a lot to him because he, he admires your work. And, you know, and he, and he said, I don't know that I'm going to have time, but I'll, but I'll try. And he wasn't there on Sunday. So he didn't get a chance to go by, but um, 
Mm-hmm. At least he said, you know, he would have, he would have, if he could have, uh, yeah. but yeah, he had a giant line all weekend too. So the only reason I even got a chance to talk to him, basically I, I walked with him when he went back from his panel, I walked him back to his table basically. And we just chatted. So, uh, so anyway, uh, um, Trevor did really well on Saturday and we we're kind of hanging out and then, uh, it comes time for the, the end of the day and I, I need to eat. Like I'm hangry. I, I haven't eaten all day. I am not suitable for use at this point. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> so Trevor, there's this, uh, Asian like fusion type restaurant there called Dow. Um, and, and Trevor had been raving about it. it's pretty expensive, but you know, on kind of mini vacation or what have you. So I figure we'll give it a try. Well, we go in there and it's three of us and uh they're they're like half the restaurants being used up by this wedding so they don't have that much seating and all the other seating they have is all reserved so you know we ask um you know if if there's any way they can squeeze us in or do you have to have a reservation and she's like yeah i mean normally we serve food in the in the lounge but we're not tonight because the kitchen's overwhelmed with this wedding party um but i'll you know if you go sit down i'll, I'll send the manager over and see what we can do so we sit down, we order a round of drinks, manager comes over and he says, well, I can put you on the list for to sit at the bar in the lounge and you, you know, serve food there. But it's, it may, may be a while, you know, like 45 minutes, an hour. I just can't say. And I'm like, I, I cannot wait that long. So we just figure, OK, we'll finish our, our round and we'll we'll go. So we ask our um, our waitress to bring over the. The tab and we're waiting and she takes the card and we're waiting for her to bring it back. And I'm sitting in the corner. We are sitting in a, like kind of a corner lounge area. Yeah. And I look across over Trevor's shoulder and there I see Mr. Scott G Patterson sitting at a table, talking to Michael Rooker from the walking dead or oh, Yondu. <laughs> if, if you are a guardians galaxy fan oh, wow. and it's dark. Um, and so I can tell that he can't really see me, but I, I recognize him and I'm like, well, that's cool. I'm going to buy, they don't have any drinks in front of them, but I, I want to, if they're going to drink, like, are they waiting for a table? Are they going to get a drink? Like, I'm going to buy them around because he's such a great guy. Mm-hmm. So our waitress comes back over our cocktail waitress. And I ask him, I said, I say, um, do those guys, do those guys order any drinks? Cause I want to get their round. And she goes, yeah, actually they're right here. And on, on her uh, tray, she had our, uh, our bill and she had two shots of tequila. And so uh, right at that time, when I'm talking to her, the manager comes up because, again, we were about to leave. And he goes, actually, three spots just open up at the bar if you guys want to eat. So we're like, yeah, great. And so the, the cocktail waitress heard that. She goes, I'll bring, your, I'll bring that tab over to you at the bar. It's like, OK, great. So she takes the shots over and she gives them to the, the two guys, Scott and, uh, and Michael. And um, I see her talking and they kind of look over at me. And so I get up and I walk over. And I'm like, uh, hey, Scott, I, you know, again, thank you so much for volunteering to help out. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the least I could do. And he goes, wait, who are you? Again, it was really dark in there. And I said, I, I talked to you earlier today at your table. I'm running the charity auction. He's like, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I didn't recognize you. Um, and I, I, yeah, I had to change my shirt. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, he, he jumps up when he realizes who it is and gives me this big bear hug. <laughs> it was unexpected, but you know, it was kind of cool. And, and so, yeah. you know, Michael stood up too, and he goes, Oh, this is the guy you were telling me about charity auction. And so, um, you know, got to shake his hand and then uh, Tyson um, Trevor's friend and Trevor walked over and, you know, we all kind of said hi. And I was like, okay, 
we got to go. Cool. Guys. Like, let's, let's leave these guys alone and let them enjoy their evening. We don't want to bug them. So we went and sat because if, if uh, Tyson and Trevor hadn't been with me, I, I kind of feel like Scott might have invited me to join them. But I even at that point, I don't know that I would have because I would have yeah. felt like I was intruding, you know, like this is their time to relax and, and whatever. But it was just cool. Like I did not expect that that bear hug or whatever. So anyway, we went and sat at the bar and, and we had a you know another drink or two and um, and had dinner. And it was it was amazing. Really, really good food. Um but while we're there, while we're sitting there, I'm, I'm texting my wife and I'm like, okay, now you're going to be mad at me. Um, Cause you know, I just got this bear hug from Scott Patterson. So I, I explained to her, yeah, we ran into Scott, you know, kind of text her the story. And then I told her, I said, yeah. And then he jumped up and gave me a big hug and without missing a beat, she immediately texts back. Don't shower before you come home. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted like the secondary wanted, you know, Scott yeah. molecules come off of yeah. me and go, go to her. So that's funny. Yeah. So, uh, so after that, we, um, we, again, we'd gone to Dallas straight from the convention floor because we tried to get there as soon as possible. We still had our bags with us and everything. So we walked our bags to the car and then we went inside and we're like, okay, let's see if tonight we can find where people are hanging out. And so we, we did a quick round. We didn't see anybody. And so we, we were like, let's just go like, you know, we're all tired and we, yeah, we need to get going. So we, uh, we went back to Trevor's place. Um, and of course, Trevor wanted to play liar's dice. Now we're playing three way, which is more complicated. Um, so again, went to bed late. It was three in the morning, I think. Um, and then headed back for the last day. I, and I don't, so I don't get nervous. I just not usually in my nature, but I'm telling you, when we got there Sunday morning. Um, and I, all I did was like, I went, we got there. I grabbed the stuff. I grabbed the big box of stuff from under Trevor's table. I went and set up in the back of the program room. Cause there was like a, a couple of tables set up back there yeah. in the corner. And um, I just started prepping for the auction. Like I wanted to have approximate values for the items. And, you know, I, I think I forgot to mention, I did go at the end of the day um, before the convention was over and hooked up my laptop and made sure everything worked for the projector and knew how everything was going to hook up. So yeah. So Sunday I just prepped for the auction, but I was, I was nervous. Like, and I'm, I, I texted my wife, I'm like, I'm kind of nervous and I don't get nervous. And I understand why people don't like this feeling of this like stage fright kind of thing, but I had no idea how it was going to go. Yeah. Um, but it ended up going pretty well. I mean, it was a little challenging because there was a little bit of a delay in the live stream. So it was hard to, to know when people were bidding or not bidding or, or where that was. And then honestly, the biggest challenge was we just didn't have enough people, um, yeah. you know, which obviously you have a limited pool of funds with, you know, fewer people had about 25 people in the room, 10 people online. And so that was the reason that um, the, my disappointment in, in the auction is that I think we should have, I'm over the moon that we raised this money for, for Titus. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I feel like some of the items should have gone for more, you know, like Nicholas Scott original art page for 300 when the cheapest one on our site is 550. Yeah. You know, a, a published Marvel cover for civil war two with Amadeus Cho on it. Totally awesome. Hulk $350. You can't wow. buy a published Marvel cover for less than a thousand bucks anywhere. Yeah. So there were just, there were things like that, that kind of, that, you know, I just thought it would have gone, should have gone for more. Um, even like the Mike, Michael Goldman. Uh, and again, thanks to Mitch for, for hosting us. And Mitch was walking around Sunday morning and, and people had heard about the auction and we got some more donated items. Um, uh, Ruben uh, Rosas gave us this um, beautiful textured 
Wonder Woman, like watercolor piece. It was amazing that I felt should have gone for more, but whatever, it's fine. Um, but he also, one of the things he brought in was a Michael Golden, like a little Michael Golden Batman sketch, Michael Golden, classic Batman artist. And I say sketch, like it's a finished piece, but it's just kind of smaller. You know, it's on like maybe a five by five square card. And when he sells those five by fives at his table, they're $300 and he sells them. You know, it's not like they just sit there at $300. He sells them. Nobody was bidding. So I bid 50 bucks and I ended up getting it. I mean, it sells for (laughs) there. You know that there's people that were at the show on Sunday that paid $300 at his table. They could have come to the auction, paid 200, saved themselves a hundred bucks and the money would have gone to, to, to Titus. So it's just things like that. And um, again, really appreciate Mitch inviting us out. I wish we could have been in the program. Um, If we'd been in the program, people would have seen it and we would have had a better turnout. Um, But that Michael Golden sketch is definitely not worth $300 now because I had him personalize it to me. So as soon as he did that, I, I thought I probably shouldn't have done that. What if I ever do a charity auction again? Like I can't ever donate things that are signed to me, but I just like to have things like, you know, cause it just, when I go and I think, so I went and thanked him and I thank Koi fam. Koi fam was the one that um, it was his Marvel uh, civil war two cover uh, went and thanked um Ruben. So it, it was really great. And they didn't have to do that. And they did. And, and, and it was amazing, but I already had, even before those last minute donations came in on Sunday, um, I already had too many items and I knew I wouldn't get through them all. So then I had, like, I prioritize obviously the, the, the original art. And so I still need to put some stuff up on, um, I'll auction it off on Twitter is what I'll do. So be sure you're following us, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. I'm going to be getting that stuff up uh, as well. Um, also Scott, Scott Snyder is going to be doing, um, a writing class soon we auctioned off three of he gave us three spots there's eight spots in the writing class total he gave us three of the spots to auction away um oh, that, that's great and uh, only two of them went so anyway um scott's going to be taking care of the other six uh but even even the proceeds for those six proceeds for all eight slots are going to titus's fundraiser so we you know scott that's snyder amazing for getting involved uh, as well so did, did all in titus, all is, is titus actually did he yeah. I imagine, I assume Titus, is he, how is he like, did he make it to the con or is he too sick to come? No, no, no. He's actually, he, he actually lives in, um, in Michigan. So he's not really, yeah, he's not really that, that close. Um, but he's doing a little better. Um, they've, they've dialed down his steroids a little bit. And the last I heard from his aunt, uh, he's feeling a little better that they recognize him as acting a little more like himself but he still doesn't have much of an appetite. So that's, that's the struggle. Um, yeah. And he's, he's put on weight. Um, if you look at kind of look at the pictures that you see over my shoulder, yeah, he, he's got a lot more weight in his face now from the steroids, you know, steroids really, right. you know, bulk you up. So um, the latest update, if you go to the GoFundMe, his aunt Emily talks about all this stuff and uh, there's a, 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 more, a newer picture and he just, he's got these giant chipmunk cheeks. So still super cute. <laughs> But just, you know, he's yeah. the steroids will, will do that to you. So, yeah, so yeah I mean, it, it was great. I, I was stressing beforehand uh, before I even left to go on the trip. Just thinking, man, I, I sort of wish that I hadn't done this. It's so much um, because, again, when I started out and it was going to be. So let me let me backtrack and talk a little bit about why it's Titus and not um, Benjamin, who we originally started the the um, the charity for the charity auction for so Benjamin was a little boy in the UK. He's also battling leukemia. He's nine. He's been battling leukemia, leukemia since he was five. Um, and in the UK, they have the national health system. So 
doesn't necessarily have hospital bills. So why is he fundraising? Well, like I said, he's been battling this for four years and he's already had one bone marrow transplant, but the cancer has come back and now he needs another bone marrow transplant. But even with that, his survival rate isn't great. So there's an experimental treatment in Israel. I think it's T cell treatment where basically they program these cells to go in and only attack the cancer cells so that there's less cancer in the body when the bone marrow transplant happens, gives a better chance for the bone marrow to, um, to take root and start producing and healthy cells and not cancerous cells. But unfortunately, what happened with Benjamin is he took a turn for the worse. So they were fundraising for over two months and they were not even quite halfway to the, the goal, which was 100,000 pounds, which is about $148,500. So it's yeah. expensive for this one treatment. They were, like I said, they were only about halfway and he took a turn for the worst. And the, the doctors told uh, Benjamin's mom, like, look, if you wait for this fundraising to, to fulfill and go to have this experimental treatment, he, it might not matter because he might not be here. So they could uh, no longer wait to do the second bone marrow transplant. They needed to do it sooner. So they paused, they, they halted the fundraising. Uh, when I talked to them, they're like, if you still want to do it, you know, we're totally fine and we'll take the money and we'll put it in the trust for Benjamin. So it still goes to him. And if he has yeah. any future, you know, medical needs, you know, that's what the money would be used for. Right. But my thinking was, well, I get that and that's fine, but you're, you're in a country that has nationalized healthcare. Whereas there's people here, families here that, you know, trying to save their kids' lives going bankrupt. So yeah. I ended up, you know, finding Titus's family and um, haven't had a lot of, uh, ha haven't spoken to any of his immediate family. Only his aunt is the one I've been speaking yeah. with. Um, is there yeah. like a national database of kids who have cancer? Like, how did you find them? I, would, I just went on GoFund. I, I just went on GoFundMe uh, oh. and looked for people. And I, it was, it was a struggle. Like I was, working on this all the time, like every day. And then I, I took like a seven day break where, because I didn't have a beneficiary and I didn't know what to do. Like I was trying to find somebody I already had, I'd already been invited to the con. I'd already bought my plane ticket. I already, uh, you know, had items in hand and, and had artists working on other items that were donated. So I needed to do this because otherwise I look, what am I just going to keep everything for myself? Like, you know, I would <laughs> never do that, but yeah. I just didn't, I didn't know what to do. And I no longer had any, any help. So I was reaching out to people on GoFundMe and I totally get it. Nobody, nobody was responding. I'd send them an email and no one would respond because they're probably thinking, and I'd say in the email, this is the way it works. That's the way it worked at the auction. You get a winning bid, you go donate directly to the GoFundMe. I don't touch the money. You show me your GoFundMe receipt and then I give you the item. So I'm not making any money off it, but they don't know that. They, they've they've got to figure it's some kind of scam. Why would this stranger spend all this money to buy a plane ticket and you know spend all this time and effort about somebody they don't even know um and you know the whole reason i got involved with with this in the first place is because you know friend of a friend like i think liam sharp's family knows benjamin's family so mm -hmm. and i you know i have a nine-year-old daughter and i can't imagine having fight fighting cancer for four years and so i just wanted to do something sure and then it turned yeah. into to something else with uh with titus and you know again it, it's good because they're, they're struggling they have five kids and and it's a lot for for titus so um, so that's why everything went down um, the way that it did. So I, I never did hear back from anybody on GoFundMe, but I was able to find Titus's aunt on Facebook and I messaged her through there and then finally was able to get a correspondence going and they're very grateful and appreciative. And I still hope at some point to actually talk to Titus's mom. Um, when they saw the Scott Patterson thing, his mom kind of lost it because she's a huge 
Gilmore Girls fan too. So that was <laughs> that was you know kind of serendipitous and and awesome as well. So yeah, ultimately, oh, yeah, you know, ultimately it went okay. Um, and Sunday after the the um, auction was over, I kind of just hung out, said hi to a few people, went and checked with Pat Broderick around my sketch, went and tried to get that Invincible, didn't get it. Um, and so when the con was over, we loaded everything up and, and we left. We didn't go hang out at the casino or do anything like that. Um, and Trevor and I were trying to decide what we're going to do. And he had been bragging on New Haven pizza. And New Haven's like 45 minutes from where he lives. And that's <laughs> what we were planning on doing Thursday because I was supposed to be there at 10 a.m., not yeah. you know midnight. But I still, I still was curious. You know, I always hear about New Haven pizza. So we drove the 45 minutes and we went to this place, this legendary pizza place in New Haven called Sally's. Um, yeah. And apparently this is a place where uh, Frank, Sinatra, Frank Sinatra's favorite pizza place. He would send people, uh, some of his guys to go and pick up like 10 or 12, I guess they call them pies there. Oh, really? uh, New York as well. You know, I've heard, and I've heard the term, but out in the West, it's never pie. It's always pizza. But anyway, we went and, and normally like when you talk about pizza out here, um, it's when you say pizza, like if you just say, Hey, I'm going to get a pizza. Everybody just assumes you're getting, you know, sauce, crust, sauce, cheese, pepperoni, like that's yeah. a pizza. And it's not like that back, back East or whatever. So, and my wife, she's always trying to get me to get the vegetarian. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> well, we got the vegetarian here. Cause it sounded, it sounded interesting. It had yeah. zucchini on it. I'm like zucchini on a pizza. That sounds kind of weird. Onions, whatever. That's weird. Uh, oh my God. This was the best pizza I've had in my life. It was, yeah. it was so good. <laughs> it was amazing. It was really, really good. So I'm, I'm a Sally's I'm right there with Frank Sinatra, man. This is the greatest pizza ever. Um, <laughs> So then, then we drove back to Trevor's and, you know, probably I think I've got to bed about two ish by the time we got back and I had to pack everything up to make sure, you know, get it shipped. Cause again, I didn't want to bring anything back, but I had all these books and I could have probably squeezed all the comics in my suitcase. In fact, I would have just left some clothes and been like, whatever, I would throw these clothes away, make room for comics priorities. Mm -hmm. But since I had to ship back stuff anyway, that needed to be uh, shipped out to auction winners. I just yeah. packed up that same box or whatever. So by the time we got in uh, to bed, it was late. And then we had to leave at like four in the morning to drive the hour to Hartford to get on the plane. And I get there and the line through security is, and I've got TSA pre-check and the line is still huge, huge. So I get through and I'm freaking out that I'm going to miss, you know, I've already had a terrible time. It took me 24 hours to get there and America never got me there, rented the car. So I get through security and I'm running to the gate. And as I get to my terminal, I hear him calling my name over the loudspeaker. So I just make it. Cause again, I, at Phoenix, I know once that door closes, <laughs> they're not going to reopen That's it. it. Yeah. Right there. So I got on the plane. I got on the plane. So great. 555. We're going to take off. We taxi away from the gate. And then we sit on the tarmac with a maintenance log error for 30 minutes. Now my connection in, uh, in Charlotte to go from Charlotte to Phoenix, it's only a 50 minute layover. When you subtract that 15 minutes from when they close the door, I only have 35 minutes. It's not, yeah, it's not a lot. Yeah. And we sit there for 30 minutes and I'm in the back of the plane. So one thing I like that Southwest does when they have a flight that's delayed or that takes off late before they, anybody gets up and takes off their seatbelts, the attendants, flight attendants come on and say, does anybody have a connection they need to make? Let's let those people get off first. American doesn't do that. And again, I'm on the back of the plane. So it took me 10 minutes to get off the plane. Um, and I've ran, and 
And I was like, well, if it's, if my connecting flight's in the same terminal, I might have a chance. The yeah. gate's in the same terminal. No, we landed at gate D and my terminal was gate B. And while I'm sitting there waiting 10 minutes to go off, to get off the plane, I look up an airport map so I know exactly where to go. Cause I've never been to Charlotte airport. I run, yeah. I run and I get there. And of course it's closed. Boarding's completed. You know, ladies like, Jesus. Like, and I'm like, God damn it. You know, I can't believe here we go again. Uh, and this is not my fault. We sat on the tarmac for 30 minutes through no fault of my own. You know, the argument could be made in Phoenix. I should have got there sooner. My dog hadn't run off then I would have, but whatever. Um, yeah. So I, t- I asked the lady, I said, okay, what do I need to do? She's like, well, first you need to catch your breath. And I'm like huffing and puffing and I'm in no mood. I'm like, lady, just, and she's like, okay, you need to go to the, ca- the customer assistance counter and they'll see what they can do to rebook you. So I go and stand in line at the customer service counter for an hour. Um, and the only thing they can do, cause I'm like, just rebook me on the next flight that goes from Charlotte to Phoenix. Everything's full. You know, I, I don't know if people heard about this, but yet Monday, yesterday, as we're recording this, um, American Airlines canceled 3,100 flights. They had all kinds of problems. Their biggest hub is Dallas. Dallas had terrible weather. And so here's what, here's what happens, right? Let's say you have 50 flight crews total, and now you have to cancel or delay flights and rebook people. And now instead of having, you know, you, you still have 50 flights at one o'clock in the afternoon using all your flight crews, but now you have those delayed flights from the day before or canceled flights, right. you had to reschedule. And now you, builds you up. in order to, in order to get caught up, you need, you need to do 75 flights, but you only have 50 flight crews. So it's the labor, it's yeah. the labor shortage. And, um, and exacerbating that is the fact that the crews they do have, they're working them like to debt. And when I say crews, I mean, flight crews. So we're talking about flight attendants and pilots, but also ground crews. You are working these overworking these people. And so they're calling in sick, they're, they're not showing up, or they're just outright quitting, which then puts a bigger burden on the people that remain. So you're burning them out fast. And it's this terrible, vicious cycle. So in a way, I don't blame American Airlines, but at the same time, you got to schedule fewer flights, stop being so greedy, but they don't want to schedule fewer flights because right now there's a big demand for travel and they want to take advantage because they lost money last year. That's what these airlines keep talking about. They lost money. None of no airline lost money last year. They didn't lose any money. They didn't operate in the red. They just didn't make as much as they normally do. Right? They're, they didn't meet yeah. their quarterly projections. Didn't the government didn't the government pay them out? Or? Yes, yes. And the government gave them a bunch of money too. So it's so <laughs> frustrating. But American Airlines is basically Apple. They're the big gorilla in the room. And for them, it's just all about quantity, not quality. And I'll, I'll never fly American Airlines again. Never, ever, ever, ever. The last time I flew them was six years ago because they lost my luggage. And I, <laughs> I, I was in I was a four-day trip. My luggage didn't get there until Monday after I'd already flown back to Phoenix. My bag didn't get on the plane and was in Phoenix, and they couldn't get it to me till Monday. And they might as well have left it here for me to just pick up when I flew back in. So I had to have it, it picked up by, by my uh sister-in-law and she had to ship it back to me so i was like never again but this time it it was the only airline that like it worked out best for the schedule i thought i'll take a chance how bad could it be well little did i know wow so anyway i wait in this line at the charlotte airport and the only thing the lady can do and she was pretty excited about doing it and i was like why are you so excited about this this is not that great knowing what i know now it was pretty great if it would have worked 
So instead of me flying from Charlotte to Phoenix, she flew me from Charlotte all the way to LA. And then I was going to have a two hour layover. And then I was going to backtrack and go LA to Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So at least something. So then I get on the plane. And so now instead of getting to, I should have been back to Phoenix at 10, 20 AM on Monday, I'm not going to get to Phoenix until, until 4 PM. So I, 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 and I need to work. Like I haven't done any day job stuff in like three days. So I need to work. So I, I pay for the Wi-Fi on the plane and it's crap. I can't even work. It won't stay connected. It's just, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. So I did the best I could. I got a little bit of work done, but it took forever. It was not efficient at all. So anyway, we finally land in LA. It's like 12, 12, 15. I get off the plane. I walk over to the board to see what gate my LA flight is at and make sure it's not delayed. No, it's not delayed. It's canceled. It's canceled. It's among those 3,100 flights that American Airlines canceled uh, on Monday. So I'm just like, you got to be effing kidding me. So I go ask a gate agent, okay, where's the customer assistance, you know, place here. And she tells me where, and I walk over and there's like, it looks like, I don't know, 30, 40 people in line. I'm like, oh man. So I go to get in line and the guy that I got in line behind goes, no, the line's there. And he points down. It's totally like that scene in Christmas story. That's not where the line end, kid, kid. And I look (laughs) and it goes like down, down, down. And I didn't know all these flights were canceled. So I'm counting people. Like I back up and I, I look and I just start counting heads. There's 20 people in the actual customer assistance little glass room. And then out, and there's, yeah, probably around 20. And then outside of that, I just start counting heads. I'm number 98 in line. There's 97 people in front of me. And there's a guy there that works for American Airlines and he's telling people, you should call and blah, blah, blah. At this point, I'm just ready to, I just want to vent. So I tell, tell the guy, I don't want to yell at you. I know it's not your fault personally and you don't want this to be happening, but. I explained how it took me 24 hours to get there and they never got me there. I had to rent a car and I'm like, and now this, like, what, what the hell's going on, man? And he's like, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. Just get in line, talk to them up there. When you get to the front, I'm, I'm like, when I get to the front, like, like how long, like, honestly, how long do you think that's going to take? How many hours look at all these people? And he's, he goes, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be hours. Yeah. It's not going to be a short wait. Wow. Um, so call the number and he gives me this card to call. So what can I do? Right. I get it. I'm like, let me wait, at least wait in this line. I'll get on my phone and try to work some things out. Let's see what I can do. So I call the number and it says something like, Oh, we recognize by your phone number that this is Mr. Milam. You have one reservation. You are flying to Reno on August 3rd at 8 AM. And I'm thinking, did somebody use my phone number to sign up for an account on American airlines? Because what I'm not flying to Reno. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> flying to Reno tomorrow. Stupid thing. So I keep listening. I'm just waiting. I'm like, where's the zero? Where's a human I can talk to and figure this out. Um, and then the, the recording goes on to say, after a two hour layover in Reno, you will continue on to Phoenix and land at 3 PM. I'm like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? It's like 1230 on Monday and they want me to take an 8 a.m. flight on Tuesday and not get to Phoenix until 3 p.m. the next day. I'm like, if you, and I did the math, like math in my head. And I'm like, if you talk about from the time I got on the plane, I boarded the plane in Hartford until 3 p.m. when I land in uh, Phoenix on Tuesday, that's a 36 hour trip. 
Like, are you kidding that, me? That's insane. Well, that's why, obviously, that's why you rented a vehicle and just drove, right? Yeah. Well, so then I taught, then somebody finally got on the line and I'm like, explained to her, I'm like, okay, first of all, I need a refund for the part of my flight I didn't use to fly out there. And you got to get me on a different flight. Like, I can't, like, I need to work. My wife needed to go to work today. She already missed a day of work, you know, for the Monday that I didn't, you know, was stuck in LA and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah it was a nightmare. Was a nightmare so she went away for 10 minutes she wasn't able to find anything she goes i'm sorry nothing can, nothing i can do stay in line there maybe they can do something and or get you a hotel room or whatever so meanwhile about 10 minutes after i got off the phone that same guy that that you know told me to call he comes and says to all the the, the majority of the people that were in that line were on cancel a cancel a flight that got canceled to dallas they got another plane and they said anybody that was on such and such a flight to dallas we found you a plane. Let's go. So like 40 people got out of line. All right. So that reduced my wait time, but I still stood in that line for three hours and 10 minutes. That's because it, I that's wanted insane. to know what my other options were. Um, and I wasn't, you know, I, I thought about buying a ticket on Southwest. Um, but the first one was at five and it was $309. And that, I just didn't want to spend that. And then there was another one at 1145. That was 109. I would have spent that, but I didn't want to be there till 1145 waiting for that plane to take off. So <laughs> I finally got to where I was in, in the, the last 20 people, right? There was, there was four people. The line had gotten significantly shorter. Like nobody else got, got in line or whatever. There's four people standing outside of the glass room. I'm inside. There's about 20 people. And this lady comes, I don't know where she came from. She wasn't one of the two people working the counter, but she's, she's, she makes this announcement. We're not giving away. We're not an ATM. We can't give you cash. We're not giving you bonus miles. We're not giving you a free flight. We're not giving you international travel. Like people are coming up here complaining and wanting like a reward or a compensation for this inconvenience. And she's like, and I understand that you want that, but we're not authorized to give that. We will help rebook you on a different flight to get you where you need to go. We have a couple of hotel vouchers left and we have some meal vouchers and that's it. If you're in this line for anything else, you're wasting your time. And all I could think was, Lady, I've been in this line for almost three hours and you wait till now to make this announcement. You should have been walking up and down the line, making this announcement a long time ago. The line would have gone faster. You know, yeah. if, if it's to the point that people are just going up there bitching and asking for free stuff, then the, to the point they needed to make announcement, you should have made it you know, a long time ago. So then she walks outside and, and makes that announcement to like the four or five people that are waiting out there. So I asked a lady in line um, who's from Australia, actually if she can watch my bag and I walk out there and I, I say to the lady, I said, um, you didn't mention anything about rental car vouchers. Do you have any rental car vouchers? And she says, no. And I said, okay, well, if I go rent a car, will I be reimbursed for it? And she goes, well, you can submit a claim. So I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. But I don't do it right away. I go get back in line because the way this trip's gone, I'm like, I'm going to get to the rental car place. There's going to be no cars. Yeah. So I go, I get back in line. I make a reservation for a car or holding my car. So then I get out of line because I, you know, it's a, it's a six and a half hour drive from LAX. Yeah. It'll get me home at like, it was at this time, it was like three, three fifteen. I'm like, if I can leave the rental car place by four, that'll get me home like 10, 30, 11. That's way better than I wouldn't even, I'd, I'd, I'd be sleeping at the airport again. Cause they were going to run out of hotel vouchers. They only had a couple left and there were still, you know, 20 people ahead of me in line. So yeah. I'm like, I'll, at least I'll be home even if I have to drive myself, but I didn't get a lot of sleep over the weekend. So I was a little worried about driving and I had to have the car turned in by midnight or paid more than double. It was $70 and 
to rent the car, 113 with fees or whatever, but it was 159 plus taxes and fees uh, if I kept it till the following day. So anyway, I go to the rental car place to get the car. And I don't know if I told you this part before yet or not, Rocky, but the guy gives me my slip and he says, okay, you got to help me out, buddy, because I think they wrote the wrong number. They said that this car's in slot A61, but we don't have an A61. So I think they meant A16. But anyway, it's a red Hyundai Kona. And here's a license plate. Just make sure the license plate matches up. Like, okay. I walk out there to the uh, to that spot, A16. It's a red Ford, Ford Explorer. License plate nowhere near matches. I walk up and down the entire row of A. There ain't no Hyundai Kona. I'm like, are you kidding me? This really is plane trains and automobiles. Give me a slip to a car that isn't there. It's like, go back inside. And then you get blamed for it. Yeah, yeah. I go back inside and he's helping somebody else. But I, I go up to him and I'm like, dude, the, there's no red Hyundai Kona in that row. He's like, what? And he was, he was helping a lady. And I, I said, I apologize, ma'am. It's just, it's, this has been a nightmare. You know, I'm going to jump in front of you. She's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, and so the guy, he's got, now he's got her information on the screen. Right. So he gives me G2. Now, I don't know how it works with rental cars. I usually end up with something in A or B. So I don't know. Maybe G is at the end and they don't usually give out cars in G. I, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I don't think he entered it in the system. He just gave me a new slip that said G2 and wrote the information. So I go and I get in G2. It's a Honda Accord, real nice, you know, all the bells and whistles. So I'm hooking up my phone to the Bluetooth taking the mask off my face, which I've been wearing, you know, all day at that point, I haven't had a single drop of water or any food past my lips. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, because I was frustrated on the plane. And when he asked the flight attendant asked for one of his drink, I was like, no, because I was, I was on the phone on a Wi-Fi call. And he's like, you can't be on the phone. Uh. And they, and I couldn't do any zoom meetings, even though I had several zoom meetings scheduled on Monday because their Wi-Fi blocks zoom probably because it sucks so bad. Zoom wouldn't work anyway. And they're taking bandwidth away from other people that are struggling to try and make it work. So anyway, I didn't even drink anything on the plane, my own fault in a way. But anyway, I'm there. I take the mask off. I'm enjoying the AC on mask blowing on me. I'm hooking my phone up. And this older dude, probably like 70 or so, comes and stands in front of the car and holds up his rental agreement. You're in my car, G2. And I'm like, oh, shit. So basically, <laughs> before the agent that gave me G2 finished with the lady and went into mine and assigned G2 to me, some other agent assigned G2. So right. I'm like, oh, you, I, so I tell the guy, I go, look, you can see right here, I have G2 also on my agreement. And clearly they gave it to me first because I'm in the car and I didn't go running past you to get here. Yeah. So he, I could tell he was kind of perturbed, but he goes wandering off back inside. So then I go to leave and you make this sharp 90 degree left turn to pull out of the, uh, the parking lot, you know, get checked out at the booth. There's only one booth open and there's two cars in front of me and yeah. it takes forever, like 10 minutes for her to check out one car. And then the next car goes by this time, cars have started lining up behind me, but I'm the next car. So I'm kind of pulled in close and I'm turned. And so this other guy comes up and opens up a booth, like three booths down and the cars, a couple of the cars behind me zoom over to him. I can't because I can't back up because of the angle I'm at. I'd hit the car behind me. So that people start going out that here's people that got their car after me and they're leaving before me. Mm. All six cars behind me go through. The last one is there being checked out. 
And that late, the lady in the, my booth is still working on checking out the guy in front of me. And I see her walk over to the other booth a couple of times and come back. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but clearly the other line's moving faster. So I move over to the other line where five cars have gone through in less than 10 minutes. And the lady's still working. Oh. Well, I get behind that car. And now there's, I see like hands waving and they can't, they can't figure something out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Now there's a problem in this line. The guy ends up getting out of the car. So apparently he couldn't read the mileage to the attendant or something like that because he gets out of the car and the attendant, you know, sticks his head in there. He gets out of the car. It's the old man who tried to steal my car. He even made it out of the parking lot before me. <laughs> I look over to the other booth. Now she's finally finished with that guy and closes her booth and walks off, take a break, go to the bathroom. I don't know, whatever. Oh my so, God. I, yeah. And there was other, by that time, there was other cars behind me. So it wasn't like I was the very last car of the day to leave that lot, but it took me like 30 minutes to get out of the, of the freaking rental car lot. Like what else can go wrong? You know, now it's after four. So now like I was driving in LA traffic took forever to just get out of LA. There's all these accidents and whatever. Um, and yeah, we had to do the, the DC spotlight, um, you know, virtually. And I, I missed a big chunk of it because I was in the dead zone. There's a dead zone where there's like no cell towers. Um, like right when you cross the border into Arizona, when you get you know, like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, yeah. Probably around 10 minutes on the other side, there's just nothing. Um, so, but I eventually got home uh, at like between 1230 and one um, got a couple hours of sleep. Cause I had to be up super early to do some stuff for some of the East coast stores for the restaurant group. I, I work at so super tired, but I thought at least, okay, I'm home and it's over. Yes. I still need to call the American airlines and get my, um, get my refund and submit my claim to try to get paid for the rental car, but at least the ordeal's over or so I thought we'll be right back after these messages that, you know, if it were a TV show, but I'm going to tell you right now, what happened was I went to leave to go to work today and I realized I left my earbuds in the brand new earbuds. I just got a brand new pair. $70 skull candy earbuds that I'd taken on the trip. I left them in the rental car. Aww. So I call budget and it's all automated. You can't talk to anybody. Yeah. It's all automated. It's so annoying. Um, and, but it basically, it says to go to their website. They have it's uh, budget.com forward slash lost and found and submit a claim. And in order to submit the claim for a lost and found item, you have to have the number of the car, like the vehicle number that they assign to it. So I go to my, <laughs> I go to my rental agreement Guess what vehicle number I have? It's for the red Hyundai Kona. And he never gave me the number for the new car. And I cannot, I try every option. I try, like, I have a problem with my bill. I, I have lost and found. I, and I tried to do the lost and found. If you want information about lost and found, but you have to put in your claim number. And I tried putting in random numbers. I tried putting in no number. I tried putting in zero over and over. I tried just hitting pound and nothing worked. This number's invalid. This number's invalid. And after like six tries, it hangs up on you. I tried everything to get a human on the phone and I could not. So what I did was I, I drove, to, instead of going to work, I drove to the airport to the budget counter. And it actually, I was worried about like, it wouldn't be, well, the first thing I did was I went to the return lot to see if the car was still there. And it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, but then by the time I finally got up to the counter, I explained to the woman, she's very helpful. Uh, and she's like, oh, and I totally understand. And but she was able to, pull up my agreement um, and it had been updated with the correct number. So I got the number. I was able to create my claim. And as I suspected, 
no, we didn't get any earbuds turned in. So there's some uh, attendant that cleans cars for, um, for budget here in Phoenix. It got himself a practically brand new set of earbuds. So just throw, throw, <laughs> throw another log on the fire of this, uh, dumpster fire that was this trip in terms of that, yeah I, i'm so glad i you know uh in hearing that story i mean i i wish i was there to en- enjoy your guys's company but uh god fine from canada it might have been even more of a gong show for me who knows so well i mean a lot of it was just due to you know and and, and i when i went today um i went to look for something online uh, something with american and when i typed american into google you know how on the google search you get a bunch of news uh results that pop up first at the top. There's all yeah. kinds of new news articles talking about all, you know, 3,100 flights canceled for American yesterday due to bad weather. And just like, it's, this is specifically American airlines because when I turned my rental car in the guy at the rental counter said, you know, I, I was talking about, he's like, Oh, where, you know, where are you headed? Are you heading back home? And I'm like, I am home. He's like, what, why are you turning a rental car at your own? Why would you rent a car in your own, you know, hometown? I, so I explained to yeah. him, I gave him the, the Coles notes version um, of, of the trip. And he goes, yeah, for the last three weeks, I've heard nothing but nightmare stories about people traveling, but 80 to 90% of those stories are American stories. They're American airline stories. So you may not have had any trouble at all. And we, we man, it would have been great to have you there for sure. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully in the next uh, little bit, uh, I'm trying to hit the Calgary comic-con in September to at least get my feet wet. Yeah. It's, it's three hours away and I got family. I can just drive there. It's no flights, no nothing. Yeah. So it should be uh fun. And uh, I got a buddy there that he wants to party with me. I took him to his first comic-con in Calgary uh, about, uh, well, that was two years ago. And we, we actually hit the, uh, there's a there's actually the nightlife in Calgary is pretty damn good. <laughs> Comic Con, yeah. it was surprising. Everyone it had the it was a big Cowboys. Uh, it was Cowboys bar and it had an Avengers theme and uh, everyone was thought of the women were dancing dressed up like Black Widow and Iron Man and this female versions of all the Avengers. It was, it was actually quite good. But uh, yeah, no, it's yeah, good time. Good time. I, yeah, I will say. I mean, this was a great show. It's a show I've always wanted to go to. So that was part of the reason I accepted Mitch's invitation. Plus, I, I thought that we'd get more money, we'd raise more money, and we did, right? Because even though we didn't have a huge turnout in the room, it was 25 people, whereas I only had 10 people online. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we definitely did better. I mean, I probably would have just gone to a longer extended format if I, if I hadn't done it at the, at the con. But, yeah, it was great to be back at a con, um, you know, and, and I heard that sentiment from a lot of creators. Like, hey, it's just kind of good to be back because um, it's been a long time for, you know, a lot of people. So yeah, it was good. It was, it was a good show. I, I definitely enjoyed it. You know, did not enjoy the travel debacle yeah. when I was going through it. It felt like the end of the world and having lived through it, like even now recounting the story, I'm already in my head and I just have a tendency to do this. I try to be a positive person. Like, well, you know, recounting, it really doesn't sound that bad. It's not that bad. It's first world problems, but no, I can't, I got to hold on to the fact that this was a nightmare. Yeah. You know, this was not okay. Well, so. it's, yeah, well, I like to think that's rare, though. I mean, it sounds like you had really bad luck. Yeah. Well, really the other thing luck. that I'll that I'll quickly mention is uh, while I was standing in that three and a half hour line or three hour and ten minute line uh, at LAX, I did reach out to a local TV station, mm-hmm. and they were uh, somebody that I taught. They're like consumer advocates, you know. They do that sort of reporting, consumer reporting. Um, and I reached out to the guy, and I don't think the same guy's there anymore. I don't know. I don't lo- watch local news. I don't watch any news really. Um, 
but I told him about losing the bag and, and uh, they wanted to do a story on it. Um, so I talked to him on the phone and then he's like, I'll get, I got to talk to my producer. I'll get back to you in, in you know, a few days. He got some back to me a week later. In the meantime, American had compensated us for the clothes that we had to buy uh, while we're in St. Louis um, because we didn't have our suitcase. And I, and so when the guy called to schedule the, the interview, I just, I never got back to him. Cause I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let it go again. First world problems. It's over. Why prolong it? Let's just let it, let sleeping dogs lie. And so okay. I let it go. This one, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be so quick to let it go. And I'll tell you why um, I explained to the, to when I reached out to their group, I'm like, okay, this would be a great story because first of all, you can, the angle of how crazy travel is right now and how airlines are getting their butts kicked with this labor shortage and how it's a self-perpetuating thing. Number two, in the story, you have a little two-year-old boy who's battling leukemia. So you have the, you know, the <laughs> human, the human, the human factor. You yeah. have the celebrity factor with Scott Patterson getting involved, uh, right? It's got yeah, it. it's a good story. It's a it's good got story. Got it all. It's a great story, right? Yeah. And I yeah. so I, I'm thinking if they just if this local news station decides to do a story on this and it goes up on you know TV. I'll be like, yeah, hey, can we put Titus's GoFundMe information on that? And, you know, it airs to whatever millions of people here in, in mm-hmm. Arizona. And even if only a handful of them donate, it could be an extra thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollars for Titus. Yeah, that would make all this worth it. You know, I mean, it already is worth it at, at you know, about three thousand, probably maybe a little over three thousand that we're going to ultimately raise for yeah. uh for Titus, That's I good. keep saying Tyson because Tyson was uh, Trevor's friend that I hung Trevor's out with. Friend, yeah. But Titus, <laughs> Titus is a little boy's name. So that would be the silver lining. That would be like all of this bad karma and whatever. And I felt, I sort of felt like that on, on Saturday when Scott Patterson offered to help, right? Like the terrible trip I had out there built up all that bad karma. And then yeah. Scott was the, the good karma. Um, I felt like at that point I was neutral. I was even on the karma. Now I feel like I've built up bad karma again. So let's get a silver lining. Let's get more money for, uh, for Titus. So anyway, um, that's, that's the story of Terrificon 2021. Um, It's certainly the craziest travel story I've ever heard. I'm sure that other people have plenty. Maybe, maybe it'd be a new segment, a new podcast um, type of episode we do on the comic source. Uh, Come on the comic source and tell your absolutely most insane travel story. I don't know that anybody no. could top this one though. Uh, I don't. I I don't have one to top that. I've had. Yeah. Uh, I I my luggage has been lost, but it's been found, and it it hasn't been. Uh, you know, so I've been I've been lucky. I got a couple of short close calls in Mexico and got overcharged on baggage and ripped off by some Mexicans. But beyond that, it was not not a big deal. But yeah. no, I'm just I'm I'm glad that the auction went reasonably well, and you know, at least you got a story out of it. That's the one thing you got a story. Yeah. You know. It's it's like it's like it's like if 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 that story was a comic book, I'd say that well, you know, it's not completely realistic that all yeah. that happened to one guy. But exactly, that, it was a lot of drama, and it, the art was pretty good. Yeah, it's like I said, it, you know, this goes beyond what the guys went through in planes, trains, and automobiles. But if you made the movie, and we've all seen movies like that, that's too many coincidences. There's no way one thing after another after another. No, come on some 70 year old guy trying to steal his car. And then that guy makes it out of the parking lot ahead of him. Like, no way. Like you didn't have to throw that in there. It's not realistic. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent, man. But it's got highs and it's got lows and it's got uh, Titus at the center of it, I think. And that's what we need to, uh, 
That's good. Remember. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to share that story. Yeah, and, uh, I'll, I'll give her the truncated version, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or just let her make her listen to the podcast. Here you go, five minutes here or there, and get to get the whole story. I bet she'd get sucked in and, and end up listening to it all at once. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Uh, but anyway, everybody, be sure you're following us twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Uh, we will have those other items up soon. There are there are two slots left. Um, Scott Patterson, that's a whole other thing. I didn't want to touch on it because it's not important, but Scott Patterson, uh, agreed to do a second zoom so we were just going to do one zoom session with three fans now he's doing two with three fans so uh, we're not going to auction off the other slots i'm just going to sell them for the same price as the other four slots went for so it'll be 70 dollars um that's basically going to be first come first serve so i'll when they are about to go up i'll announce hey it's going to go those are going to go up for sale at this time on this date and basically the first two people that respond on twitter will uh will get them so be sure you're following us uh so you can get all the details and, and whatnot so uh, well, anyway, thanks for joining me, Rocky, and listening to my story. And yeah, prompting. good stories. Yeah. Any uh, anything you want to plug this week that you have coming up over on the Comic Boom YouTube channel? Well, I'm I, I am working on an infinite uh, frontier overview that I'm still working on. I'm just working on some thumbnails and just doing my notes. And so hopefully I want to do I want to do a detailed overview of what we know for infinite frontier so far from D.C., uh, a little from pre-death metal to post-death metal to after future state to present, just to put everything in perspective. So I'll be working on that. Gotcha. Sounds good. Uh, okay, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, as always, we will, uh, well, we, first of all, we'll thank you for listening and thank everybody who's donated to Tyson's GoFundMe. And we will talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.